0: What's up, Gypsy Gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. And my guest today, we're keeping it in theme here. We are keeping it in the theme of WA Legends. My guest today is none other than a Josh Sheehan. Uh, Sheeny is, man, he's a unicorn. They call him the unicorn, uh, and that is for good reason. He is the first and only dude in the world to do a triple flip on a dirt bike. Uh, he has won events contests all over the world and been an innovator in the freestyle motocross game and comes from super humble beginnings he's just a farm boy uh from donny he put it on the map and uh he's a really 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 cool dude and this was an awesome podcast so appreciate you guys for listening and uh we'll see you on the next one uh before we get into the podcast though Got to say a thank you to our sponsors, the guys at MX Store, uh, mxstore.com.au. Uh, head there for all of your dirt bike parts and accessory needs. If you order before 2 pm on a weekday, you're going to get same day shipping. Those guys have it going on. Um, and shout out to the boys for being a sponsor of the Manji 15,000 uh, and supporting Australian Motocross as they do. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Fist Handware. You can head to fisthandware.com. I am obviously running Fist Handwear at all times on the bike. Uh, Sammy is with us on this trip. And uh, big shout-out to Sammy, too, actually, just for just for making it happen, making this trip happen over to WA. Uh, look, I think Fist Gloves are the best in the game. They've been doing it for 11 years now, which is insane. Uh, so, yeah, Fist Pump pumping the code Gypsy Gang to get yourself 15% off. That code is also going to work at dixonquality.com.au get yourself one of the best flannels in the game Uh, that code again gypsy gang is going to get you 15% off that code also works at drytimes.com as well uh, if you want to get wet and then uh, dry fast are also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc Design Co you can head to rivalincdesignco.com Those guys will get you dialed in with all of your graphics needs uh, as well as the guys at Crix Tweed. You can head to Crix Tweed. CricksTweed.com.au. Oh, look at that. That's a junior lights moto taken off on the line right now. Uh, That's it for the ads. Thank you so much for uh for listening as always. And uh once again, big shout out to WA. What a place. Gang, gang. I know, gang, gang. Josh shan the great oh. man himself I should have done it It's alright mate Something to clear my nose This show's extremely
1: informal So this is completely <laughs> fine <laughs> It's a change of seasons mate, Gets everyone. everyone oh, Yeah it's been a couple of weeks, I thought it might have been mid something in the diet or something but
0: nah i reckon everyone's like i've had it my housemate's had it i reckon there's just some shit floating in the
1: ether it's probably yeah, covered too yeah yeah well, yeah. <laughs> yeah i've been zipping around the country <laughs> evading everything <laughs> yeah avoiding checking into different locations i would have a chuckle there i've got um like you know service victoria service new south wales brisbane uh, queensland but yeah well i've been good thankfully uh, yeah yeah, no, nah, yeah. Look at you, mate. You're in good nick, solid as an ox, so as do. always. A um, bit of footy training has helped lately, actually. Really? Yeah, it's footy, good. What, yeah. Well, like rugby league or nah, AFL? AFL? Yeah, okay. Um, Big on the west coast. Yeah, a lot bigger. I grew up uh, as a kid out of school. Everyone sort of played football. All the girls had netball, and you kind of yeah. same location each weekend. It was just a, a common thing to do when we were young. And uh, since motocross took over, it kind of you know, I played for a few years and then just um, we, we got knocked out one year in the finals and I thought, ah, oh, stuff it, I'll you know, yeah. get stuck in a motocross and have a crack at that. And then <clears throat> last year with nothing happening, I went and watched the local team, got motivated all four. That's sick. From women, the under-18s up to the league team, all one, and I was just so pumped and motivated and thought, stuff it, I'll get back into it that's it awesome it's the hardest four weeks i've ever had i reckon <laughs> so you did like a four-week pre-season with like the team and no stuff, no pre-season so i just was, went straight in yeah it was just mid-season i I've awesome. been meaning to get back into it for a while and then just wasn't until i went and watched them that i thought oh What's training it? training tuesday i think and yeah that stretched out half my muscles and <laughs> yeah it was uh, i just didn't recover until about a month after the last game so yeah this year though i did do the pre-season and it's been been good so yeah, right. slowly build the body back up i yeah. still feel like 10 years out of the game is a little hard on the body but it's it's uh getting there and being older oh yeah
0: i like i was saying last night i do jitsu flat out and like fuck my body dude like i i want to all the boys that i train with it's like is it like this for you like are you this sore because i'm just every day i wake up i'm just like fuck like all the joints and knees and back and and then no matter how much you do it it just never seems to get easier and then you know you get older and then you have a crash on the bike and i'm just like fuck this i'm frail dude i'm frail and i'm 33
1: yeah i sometimes i think it must be the age but then i do remember racing motocross just out, you know, 17, 18, yeah, 19 like, yep. and having a big race and being sore for a week after. So I guess depending on what we're conditioned to, how uh, fit we are for whatever sport we're doing. So, And it's just like hard. Motocross is hard.
0: It Football is, is, is hard. Jiu-jitsu is hard. They're just hard things. Yeah. you just, <laughs> just got to come to grips with it, eh?
1: Yeah. And when you're trying to bounce between a couple of them, then it's, it's hard. Your body's trying to change, adapt to each one. It's, yeah, it's hard, but I guess it's good.
0: That that's cool though. Like I know for me, I got a real sense of um, like when I started doing jiu jitsu, I I didn't even know there really was competitions that adults did. Like I knew that my friends' kids competed, yeah, but I didn't really think it was something that adults even did. So like I started, had no idea that I'd be competing at any Mm -hmm. point. And then a few months in, I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go! And all the other boys are going, and you got like the team camaraderie and shit like that. Even though it's like a individual sport, it's still you go there with the whole team everyone's got the shirts so it's sort of like a team kind of thing yeah so it's yeah. pretty cool eh? like and when i grew up playing footy as well and when you yeah you, there's something about that camaraderie and the coming together with a group of people to do the same you know walk towards the same goal there's yeah. definitely
1: some fulfillment in there eh? it is it is and uh, you know being in like motocross does involve a, a team of people but um to get back into a a team like football there's 18 of you on the field and for all of you, have, you know, you have to work together. You have to help each other out, and it's pretty cool. Um, it's fulfilling, sort of helping others. You know, you, you need to work together to be able to 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 win to progress. So that's cool. It's good for um, good for your communication skills. I had to remember a few <laughs> names when I got back into it, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a test there. But no, it's awesome. Just a good good change. Keep you keep yourself motivated. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's a good. Uh, I find for me too. Um, I don't know whether it'd be the same in, in football, but for me, man, like, I go to jiu-jitsu just to get humbled. Like, yeah. just daily humblings. And it's like, there's always, you know, I'm good at it, but there's people out it that are better. Yeah. And yeah. you sometimes you go with people that you're better than and sometimes you roll with the people that are better than you. And when that happens, you get fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, a, I don't know, there is something, I, I find if I don't want to go to training, it's usually a part of my, ego that doesn't want to deal with that defeat style thing you know are they tripping out are they no i'm just i oh, getting comfy
1: Turn the volume down a bit oh I, think I can do that here is that better down a bit down a bit yeah i can still hear you down a bit down no. a bit <laughs> <laughs> is no. that all good pretty good actually go a bit lower yo yo it's still the same i think is it
0: oh maybe
1: i'm changing oh yeah it's better yep yeah. I was changing mine, not yours. <laughs> <laughs> you start yelling. Is it better?
0: Hey, can you hear me? Now? <laughs> but yeah, yeah I find that um, yeah, the days I don't want to do it are the days where that voice in my head just doesn't want to get beat. I just want to stay the man because yeah. I feel like I feel like I'm the man. And in, in here, and I'm doing my work and I run my shit, and I got this, and I got, I'm doing all this stuff, and like, I'm the fucking G. <laughs> and then I got to go into that room and just like fully, like, you have to willingly give that up. Yeah. yeah. Every time. And it's a, it's, I think it's healthy.
1: Yeah. Actually, I think you might have turned down the return on my mic. Can you hear me the same? Yeah. Oh, uh. That's mine. Yep. How's that? Can you hear me? For- yeah. i can't hear myself too well through it. yeah that's better oh,
0: okay. that's... what about is mine all right
1: yeah i think you're just louder oh
0: really
1: <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> we'll be fine is it is it all right we yeah can it's keep fine fucking
0: with it yeah. um but yeah so there's like that part of me that's gotta just give that shit up and just
1: you gotta take your take your beatings and then you always
0: feel better for it
1: yeah that's it's i find a lot of exercise like that as well and uh you get to the end of the day and you think oh, i don't really feel like doing anything but you almost feel worse for not doing it than yeah you, if you if you actually you know pull your finger out and do something it might be hard work but you you might feel physically exhausted but you feel better for it after it's uh yeah sometimes you get more sore from not doing anything as well so
0: yeah what's um my buddy jack freestone says movement is medicine mm, definitely yeah even when you're like i feel like that with like hangovers you know if you're really sore and tight you want to get
1: get moving get warm yeah definitely um being on the plane is one of the worst things when you which you've you've been on a couple (laughs) yeah and especially if you're like early days i'd be trying to ride as much do as much training before taking off just so i was as fresh as possible and then get on the plane and my first first x fighters actually got over to rome and when i got off the plane after struggling to put my foot back on because my feet were, were swollen. swollen yeah I'd look down and my ankles were bruised so I had that much lactic acid and wow. I just you know worked hard back then I I wasn't I, I didn't know enough about training I would just go hard hard yeah. thinking that's what I need to do and then it's like all these sore muscles all the lactic acid it's like it all just goes whoa, down to your ankles and it, I was sore for have a you, day when I
0: got there have you ever worn the compression socks on planes yeah, since sw- then yeah, yeah they're it's brilliant. so
1: much better Eh, yeah they help a lot gee and I kind of my approach is a bit different now especially with training in general but train a little bit smarter Yeah, you obviously have to as you get older but now getting on a flight it's like I try and be as as in as good a condition as I can be getting onto the flight because the flight itself is terrible you know might be good for sleeping on a plane it's a bit like altitude training your body adapts while you're trying to sleep so it's probably why it's harder a lot of the time to sleep on a plane but it's good for you and, and you kind of need to be healthy on the plane and hydrated so
0: <laughs> yeah well that's like I've, I've found like i was saying last night i've only got one kidney so i've got to be pretty on point with hydration and um yeah i've i've found too like i actually can't push through being dehydrated anymore yeah like i've found i did uh like if i train slightly dehydrated fucks me up bad i've i've done like uh, i've been doing a lot of saunas recently yep and i'm like really got to watch my water intake all day because like if you go in a sauna and you're not fully hydrated dude you just end up being a prune (laughs) eh? like and then you just can't get that water back like you could you know you got to drink like four liters of water and then i wake up with a headache but man there's like shit now i just literally won't do if i'm not at like a certain level of hydration you know
1: yeah there's i remember someone saying like staying hydrated is way better than getting hydrated like training yeah. like staying fit is way easier than keep uh, and getting fit so yeah try and keep it up and you know, it always takes way longer than what we what we think yeah like it all week days to fully hydrate ourselves so we really have to keep it up well, i stay think it's on like, on
0: like it. four days yeah okay that it takes to properly go from being like i guess clinically dehydrated to actually hydrated <laughs> that's
1: insane <laughs> yeah eh? yeah it's uh, you don't realize actually some days when you you don't feel too bad you think you've done right and then you might get cramps yeah. for a day or two you sort of realize then that yeah maybe maybe I was a bit more dehydrated than i thought
0: i had this app on my phone and when the new iphone um <coughs> the new iphone software came up you could put like these little widgets on your phone and i started having like the i got like this hydration out
1: but it just didn't last long enough <laughs> i could, <laughs> yeah. couldn't stick to it i should bring that up to the front again yeah right yeah I, at, at home i tend to we've got we're lucky on the farm we've, we've got bore, bore water yep. but it's beneath it's like 60 meters below white sand and it's just it's pure pure water oh, it's like almost a bit too clean so i you have to add some, minerals and stuff yeah i chuck some salt some himalayan some uh, magnesium chloride and um some a bit of bike up to up the um ph a little bit but yeah right. it's just like i've got the right combo now it's just awesome i love it so I'm, I'm keen to try some of that water actually yeah we'll, we'll be there <laughs> yeah you'll be yeah so uh i want to tell
0: we've obviously we spoke about last night yeah so yep. we're gonna go through it again we've got a pretty funny story of the first
1: time we ever met so yeah. i'll let you take it away it's a pretty um, good it's a pretty good first first impression yeah uh, pretty funny so um a. Uh, uh, turning point in my career very important but um so my good mate phil floppy lickerlet he um helped me help me out years ago a bit of a gift of the gab and somehow he managed to chat with yareev the head of uh, honda race team and um convinced him to help me out by lending me a bike for a competition i think i think that was the first one that that he prepped for me so basically i'm pretty sure it was yeah so basically i flew over to m- I must have yeah flew over um so there was a small small supercross race Do you know the town it was shit just out of melbourne yeah it was just it was just out of melbourne it was yeah. one of the mcneil remembers because he was doing the other he was the other rider racing and doing the freestyle oh that's right yeah. but basically i'd rocked up felt so privileged you know honda had um just done up this brand new 2018 450 no just-
0: 2008 it would have been
1: eight sorry sorry yeah, sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was eight it was the last of the carby but yep. it was it was a ripper i loved it it was just um but brand new so brand new gear brand new boots spike i was just rolling off a um a truck ramp just to feel it. it's nice and firm and they did such a good job and then the ramp on the track was just placed in front of the the finishing line jump and i just i was too used to a bigger landing and i was worried about over jumping the 450s have got plenty in second and I knew they had you know, plenty in first, and so I thought maybe I'll just hit him first. I know I won't overjump then. And uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of conversation that you're telling me that I'd forgotten about, but yeah. I decided I'll just hit him first, and I'd obviously come into the ramp and just chop the throttle at the top of the ramp and ran out. And so basically I uh, landed on top of the landings, <laughs> nose first, broke both my wrists on impact. Left wrist already had a plate in it because I'd broken it a few years earlier but the, I just remember left wrist was sore I didn't know how bad it was but the right wrist just went big old bend in the um the main oh, Ulna? distal distal or radius distal radius yeah. or radius is a bone distal is the the yeah. knot at the end yeah so both of them were the same like I was lucky that it was there but horrible horrible day embarrassing you know my chance to oh, I- I impress Uri impress Honda you. yeah and it turns out you're the guy that was (laughs) holding my (laughs) wrist while someone else was putting a green stick in the green whistle in my mouth oh and then sucking on that and then then someone having to scratch my back because the the uh, morphine was making me itchy and i was horrible horrible but after all that you know (laughs) funny funny (laughs) to meet you there but after all that so grateful that um you're eve a lot of people might have a bad thing to say about him but his his heart's good and yeah, he changed he, your career. He did. He did. He, he helped me. He um, sent that bike over to me after, and and sort of kept helping me out. Helped me get to some uh, like the Super X Supercross yeah. later in the year, and I think that was late '08. But it just yeah, it, it got helped getting me off the ground. It um, gave me some opportunities, some of those big comps in front of uh, the right people, and I met some more people, which then just kept growing and growing, and and then couple of years later i'm I'm pinching myself it's just seems surreal you know it was a dream as a kid and you know help with my mate phil and your reeves helped with the bike and just yeah meeting more people it was just changed my world yeah it's crazy like it's funny that that's pretty much the place you
0: go to to start an interview with you because that's sort of where your career really started but i just remember that we had a conversation and you're like oh what what gear do you reckon you know and I, I just said look man I, I, I don't want any part of that conversation like I'm not good enough you know like I, yeah. I'd never tell somebody something about a jump I wouldn't hit
1: yeah. and uh, I, I can't remember that asking that question exactly but yeah I remember I was thinking do I hit it second or do I drop it back to first so I don't over jump but that yeah. was my thought. I didn't want to over jump. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I remember the combo, and I just was like, man. I just, yeah. Oh, I can't. I, I've never hit a ramp. I'm just not. Like, I'm just <laughs> not saying nothing because I don't want you to crash. Oh. But, um, but yeah. So then, yeah, sitting there holding, holding the whole forearms. I felt terrible for you because, like, just before it, we'd. Um, i think i was helping with like the gear or the bike or like getting it because i was working for you reeve at the time yeah yeah and then it was like oh this is this is josh Sheen, and i was like i made our way and he's <laughs> konski was pumped you were pumped and then fucking two oh. seconds later I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh this oh. poor
1: motherfucker that's so terrible it's horrible um but yeah it's funny uh, just so grateful for for the people that were involved to to help me to you know, just to have any someone to have any trust in me after that and just yeah. the fact that he sent the bike to me and helped me help me keep going and yeah a few later a few years later I was able to get somewhere which was which was handy <laughs> it's crazy
0: when you you look back at it now we've got all of hindsight but yeah. in that moment you would have just been like oh, i have fucking shit the bed here big time yeah
1: yeah i yeah i'm surprised he sent the bike over to be honest it was you know i, I wouldn't have expected anyone to help me out after that i just yeah so lucky when you set the bike over I just <laughs> so yeah probably haven't said thanks to your eve enough but cheers mate <laughs> <laughs> that's so good so uh you
0: come from farm boy life apple farm in wa and how did your career go like uh, you got kind of i think freestyle is interesting because of the timelines like you've got This period where it was massive and dudes were just making like crazy money and there was huge deals around and it was like just fresh on the scene. And then there was like this next era of guys where it was like an insane amount of progression. Guys were still making good money, but it wasn't like that kind of money. But those guys weren't doing this kind of trick. So there's like this weird kind of timeline of how that sport evolved and you end up smack bam in the middle of like this insane progression type of uh i guess that period of of freestyle but so like where did the background even come from um for you to then like get into freestyle and then what i guess you know we'll get into what led to the progression because you're one of the most progressive dudes in the sport really
1: um i never saw myself as that but Maybe that's why. On paper. Yeah, I, I I think I always looked up to other people and and got my inspiration from other people. Like as a young kid, I'd see Travis Pastrana, yeah. Nitro you know, Crusty Demons back in the day, and you know, Matt and Bilko, the local Aussies. And um, although Bilko is <laughs> only a year or year or two older, but seemed about five years younger, yeah, you know, yeah. mentally, Still does. <laughs> yeah. But um, I remember yeah i was just on the farm just loved bikes real rev head my brother and i anything you know, cars bikes whatever and um i remember watching crusty demons back in the day and um, watching them start flipping i do remember mum poking her head into the land room and oh. you know, watching them backflipping and she's like you're never doing that you're not uh, allowed to do yeah. that <laughs> no i'm gonna do three yeah <laughs> and I, I remember saying oh you know never wouldn't mind wouldn't mind back flipping one day but for and I remember in 2006, watching, being blown away by Travis Double Flipping, I remember at that point, I hadn't even backflipped, I thought, I wouldn't mind backflipping, but gee, I'd never do two. <laughs> and then, 06, <laughs> so uh, um, I think, end of 06, was when uh, uh, a good mate, Ash Rogers and I both wanted to, but very similar race, same age as well, and um, I think I must have just met him, he didn't live too far away, but met him through racing, and um. We uh, took a mountain bike out to a ramp and, a, and BMX bike out to a dam and just flipped a couple in the water just to Get feel it feeling. out. Yeah, and then we went back to our my family farm and I had a sand well, sand freestyle landing. Yeah. We just put a bit of a conveyor belt, made a bit of a steep takeoff on one end of it and just flipped our mini bikes over this sand landing. So there's a fair bit of give, a couple of crashes, wipeouts, but we're all good and, you know, it was awesome. But as soon as I did that, I thought i'm flipping a big bite you know i just i kind of had the mechanics of it in my head and yeah i knew what needed to be done and uh yeah we just the, further out the back of the farm or well, next door is a sand quarry basically and we just found a sort of bit of a hill where they'd been taken sand from so it was as vertical as sand will get and yeah, maybe yeah. maybe three four meters high and then just a, like a little bit of a dip so we had a bobcat at the time hired and so i drove that over and just you know made a little bit of a landing on one side and we just plonked a i kind of remember just a someone's home built ramp not not a full-size fmx ramp but plonked it on an angle you know into this slope just so enough to get up on on the hill and um yeah another guy was with us that we didn't think was gonna flip um yeah he had a crack and um bailed out and then i was like yep time to go and i kind of knew in my head what i need to do and you had to just lean off the back to get the bike spinning and and it worked out i i think i wheeled down the landing and kind of fell off on the first one but near on landed the first one and yeah we were so pumped we just sort of kept flipping over at the sand bit i think dad came over at one point to have a look and was just like oh yeah, yeah that's always. pretty awesome <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um yeah we just wanted to do that stuff because it was just awesome bit of a thrill we loved it had no uh no thoughts of you know Actually I don't even know if I guess we were watching Crusties, we kinda knew that there could be yeah. a career but didn't yeah. think of it as a career path. And uh yeah, just that, that sort of started it. And then not long after that, my mate Phil, um, you know have you heard of Rev Heads? Yeah. They had had some freestyle festival. Is that golfs. a festival? Like a a bit of a festival. Bogan Festival. Yeah. Rednecks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when we were younger it was it was it was huge. It's like just, a WA Summer type thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah three days of just burnouts and fuck yeah (laughs) burnouts and cars and yeah so quite a few show cars and we used to go that my brother and i used to go down and and every now and then well most years and you'd end up just sort of getting on the beers and just you'd feel like absolute crap you wouldn't shower for a few days and be camping and (laughs) things would just get messy everywhere you know it was just dirty but a fun fun weekend away yeah for everyone that loves cars and skids it's What more (laughs) (laughs) but they um uh I think there was a a bit of a flat pad there I think end of early 07 actually they they ran a state champ freestyle motocross competition there and yeah right and a mate had told me about it I thought oh yeah I'll just jump on enter and see how we go and at that time I was I think I was the first person flipping 75 foot in WA so I was the only guy at that comp back flipping but I learned to double grab on the day and um, had a few limited tricks a fairly big whip and um was just like you know loving it but did a big whip and then looked back at the judges and didn't get back in time and wiped out and hurt my wrist and oh no couldn't do much and turned out a couple of days later I was I still couldn't do anything so I got it scanned and it was broken so that was that was the wrist that didn't fully bend when you were holding my yeah, wrist <laughs> yeah, right. it was already supported by titanium but Yeah, it kind of lit a fire in me that that weekend. And at the end of the year, they announced at the Rev Heads event in November that they were going to do a freestyle competition there as well. And um, that's when uh, Sinks and Shuey came back over. Mm. Um, I forget if Clint Moore came down that year or not, but maybe the next year. But yeah, I'd had a bit of inspiration, a bit of drive. That's sick, eh? wanted to learn a few more tricks. And um, I think by that point, I'd... uh, met billy happy he was the, the guy like the earlier on he was the, the guy in wa he wasn't backflipping yet but he was he had all the tricks and you know he'd been doing it for years and he him and some mates had, had created a foam pit in in perth just south of perth and really yeah so I befriended him and let me use his pit a few times and learned a few bigger tricks like um i was watching bilko do ruler flips and so then i was trying some ruler flips wow, and that's a quick progression it was, and so I came back at, uh, so end of 07, must have been when, yeah, I'd come back and did my first rule flip at, at yeah, didn't know many tricks, had a, yeah, <laughs> a couple of heel basic trick, and then a ruler flip, <laughs> and it just worked out well. I, um, I, I was watching Bilko trying, pushing off with one foot like he did, and then my first one I did, it just, I kind of um, get the timing right, so I'm just hanging off the back, and then as soon as the wheel flicks off the ramp, my feet just... You know, drop Drop off, and so then feet came down together, and it just worked out beautiful. So, kept doing them, (laughs) and uh, yeah, got third that weekend. So, unicorn was born. yeah it wasn't wasn't known as unicorn back then but (laughs) (laughs) the the unicorn was alive and well it was just dormant waiting to be discovered (laughs) um funny story about the unicorn actually do you know how that started no i actually don't but i've
0: i've been heard i've heard you being referred to as a unicorn forever
1: yeah so um on nitro i guess i've always been pretty um pretty quiet about like my relationships and stuff like that i'm not one to I don't don't go out and find girls to bring back, and you know, just a bit quiet. I guess um, I don't know maybe late bloomer, but I'm not. A lot of the freestyle guys at the time were, or say, you know, some of them. Some people would go out and try and get a girl to bring back, and and a mate, um, the athlete manager at the time, was like, why don't we ever see you bring any girls back? He was, you're sneaking around you're like a unicorn no one ever sees you and so, that, <laughs> really? so that was just a joke and then a few people got referred to as a unicorn after that because we did special things but yeah so the joke started by someone asking me why I didn't see me bring girls back but yeah now it's kind of hung on because yeah you just do the craziest shit ever yeah did a triple flip and <laughs> a couple of cool things so yeah it's look if people are happy to call me that I'm Happy for it. <laughs> don't don't continue to call me a unicorn as a nickname, it's just Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. will do. Yeah. So it was a, it was in the end like a pretty quick
0: progression for you. Like, what level did you race motocross at? Like how good were you at right at racing, do you
1: think? Sicko. No, you know, <laughs> Like <laughs> objectively, if you had in, to just to find where your skills come from. Like landed. in WA I'd um a couple of years of racing I'd got up to um A grade in WA. Yeah, I might have got sort of top fifteen, top 10, 15 in some races in the A grade, but got to the point where it was like, you know, I had to do a lot of riding. It was a lot of hard work, a lot of training, and I just kind of had to rely more on fitness and and strength to wrestle through my bad skills, basically. So yeah, I didn't right. have a real, you know, upbringing racing motocross as a kid. I just started when I have had my. Uh, road bike license i'm sorry um car license and then yeah okay. friends and i would drive to the motocross races and you know before that it was just just trail riding on the farm so just uh progressed because i loved it i think
0: yeah um anyone that can throw a whip though is a dude that's got like some legitimate bike skills yeah so, like a lot of freestyle riders that don't have like that skill background that's why you don't see every freestyler throwing whips or like legit whips either you know
1: yeah, I did. I'd, I think early days when we first built a couple of, you know, tabletops on the farm, we just, I don't know, I wanted to whip. But I don't, yeah. it Just kind of appealed to me, whips turned down and, and just read, read motocross books with, um, instructions or ideas or how to do different whips. And yeah, I don't know, just always loved them. Still do. They're just, they're never the same. Yeah. You can do so many different types of them. And, and, um, yeah, to see people like, um, tyler Berrman, axel just yeah guys yeah i can throw on their bike in all different directions now it's epic
0: it's one of those things too, Clint like knows. yeah no worries. um it's crazy with guys like berriman and axel because you can watch their like you watch their youtube edits and you know you see the pictures and stuff like that right it's just none of it does it justice like actually seeing them do that shit in person like yeah. there's just something just so like is it still super loud that's right um yeah yeah there's just something about even in person that just makes it more impressive like when you're being under a quarter pipe or seeing like the way like tyler especially when he's riding up to a ramp he pretty much doesn't accelerate at all like he rides up to the ramp as like Slow as the bike will go in second gear, and then like as soon as his front tire hits the ramp, he just goes, "Bop!" Like everything this fucking thing's got, and that—that's the shit that just trips you out because there's a lot of weird physics at play where you're just like, "Nah, man." Yeah. Like, the, the Just the the confidence in, I guess, I, don't, I mean, you'd probably be able to explain it more than me, but just the concept of what you're about to do like they've just got it so dialed and it's like they can just buy into a concept like you don't <laughs> accelerate at all until your front wheel and then you will go 75 feet and you will be upside down yeah
1: beauty of 450s um the power of these bikes lately is is awesome where you can um i did one year on a 254 stroke worst year i had just yeah know, I was enough, so though. used to so used to having some power and but um yeah to the 450 there's just so much grunt where you, know, you could be jumping 120 130 feet in second gear Really? so to hit um hit 75 foot it's like right in the sort of power range and you can just be putting and <laughs> it's pretty bah. wild though. it's just, yeah it's awesome it's a good feeling especially when your your bike's running crisp like a, um older bikes are running ignition and a pipe basically and it just opens them right up and and you just get a snappy, responsive throttle and it's good fun. You're a man that loves a skid, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just hear it in your Yeah, oh. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of all our mates love a good skid.
0: Well, that's that's kind of the coolest part about growing up on a farm, right? You get to shoot yeah. guns and you get to drive cars yeah. and you get to
1: do all that shit from when you're four. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The first bike I rode was a posty bike, it had a low seat and it was almost like a scooter. So Sick. you could um we could you know touch the ground or i could get into it get yeah. on it um yeah i remember my brother he was a good good instigator of, of these things but he'd find a um cheap cheap rally car someone selling it for 50 bucks or something and and we just thrash these cars around the farm um it's yeah, just well well before say any regular person can get the chance to drive a car and yeah you know, we're putting cushions on the seat so we can see over the over the steering wheel and Over over overshooting corners taking out fruit trees and then (laughs) standing up the fruit trees and propping them up so dad didn't know but it it helped us a lot we just we learned so much so much control and had so much fun driving around the farm so man epic lifestyle
0: yeah dude we we had this one day we had this old 60 series land cruiser and it was like the four speed um, four speed transmission and um dad was the president of the football club so then we we never grew up on a farm like we always lived in a house, but we always had farms like family and friends yeah, and yep. stuff like that. So we we pretty much got that lifestyle. And um, so we there was one day where it was just pissing down rain. There was like this abandoned field and they just freshly slashed it, and the, the grass mm. was only you know kind of like shin high, and um, pissing down rain. And Dad's like, "Fuck, just go drive the just go drive the cruiser in the paddock." <laughs> so we got these witches hats and we made me and my brother made this this track and i was probably 11 and my brother was nine man we fucking spent all day rallying this thing around <laughs> Drift in the 60s <laughs> oh dude just like fourth gear second gear just, <laughs> blah, 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 just every corner just like that and that those days man like when you're a kid there's something about being allowed to drive a boat or a car or a bike or something as a kid that is only reserved for adults yeah but you you get to do it it's like the sickest shit ever yeah
1: so fun I, and there's something i don't know I, it's i guess more of a boy thing but just we just loved any kind of machine tractor just any anything that we could drive and operate it was so fun But bit but to be able to just go and thrash stuff and you know <laughs> just kill i mean dad was a bit upset with some bikes that we might have um destroyed or damaged over the years but yeah, like to, um, to get a car and just not have to care about it, <laughs> Thrash it, crash it, and <laughs> wreck it. And if it's too far gone, you go buy another one and it's- then put it in a landing ramp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, good times, man.
0: Yeah, and so you you've never moved away from the farm, though, right? Like, or I'm no. not. You wouldn't live with your parents still, I'm sure, or like what's the deal there? But you've still stayed like on the farm, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, we were like when I was working you know we were living during the week away from home but i stayed lived with my parents for it's quite um uh, it wasn't that long ago so i was, got into my 30s i think oh, and sick. my brother was had moved into my grandfather's house which is you know 300 meters away just yeah. across the farm and yeah I'd, i
0: figured that's how the setup would be they'd be like the farm and then like all this shit around the farm like all yeah, these places on the farm
1: yeah and then like dad's brother he lives on the other side yeah. you know over the road on the same farm and um my brother had moved into my grandmother's house some years before and i remember saying oh i'd love to move over there And i think he had a bed and everything you know a room a couple of rooms ready for me to go over but i just got into all this travel and it was just so convenient the house was right next to the shed and just with all the riding and training and stuff i was doing and um could have my meals cooked and yeah sometimes get my clothes washed and <laughs> but um it was just so convenient and then it just it just didn't happen so I was kind of annoyed that I didn't because then I missed the opportunity when in 15 my brother died and yeah, so I right. moved in after that and then um I was like oh, you know kind of missed out on some good times I think it I don't know have been in before yeah like, yeah because yeah, yeah. like we we were close but you know he his work and we you know, when we were younger we rode together all the time and like did a he got into pig hunting. Yeah. Um, when I sort of moved away from footy into motocross, he was basically playing footy and pig hunting, that was his his yeah. hobbies, yeah. fishing, whatever. And then my motocross kind of led into the freestyle and got me travelling, but you know, it always helped me as a kid and, and we had a lot of good times, but it's like a kind of Feel like I missed out on some yeah. more good times by not moving in with him a bit earlier. Or yeah. Moving in while he was still there. <laughs>
0: yeah. You, yeah. It's hard. It's fucked. It's hard, but it's easy yeah. to look back and say, yeah, that's it. It's probably, end side, up, it's 2020. You probably end up fucking
1: carrying on and, you know, in punch ups and
0: fucking <laughs> wrestling and carrying Yeah. On.
1: I, was, I was lucky, though. He wasn't, it wasn't like that. Was um, he older? Yeah. He was older. We yeah. could fight. He was stronger, he was taller, Yeah. faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but he was good I think I was like his little wingman when I was young because he was so he was always a bit bit smarter and um, kind of my mum's side of the family is a bit inventive creative and he kind of had that so he was always always learning things and then pulling motors apart and because I was a few years behind he was showing me like, yeah, oh, check yeah. This out. and then I'd be helping him when he had his car helping him change gearboxes and do stuff like that and yeah so it was good he was a good good teacher good Certainly, a good older brother to have.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. It's there's something cool too when like you and your brother are into the same stuff. Yeah, like yeah. I've I've seen a bunch of my friends and um, they've got siblings that they're just like they don't really share a lot of interests. They're just sort of like like weird friends that are related. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, but yeah. they're not like mates that hang out. Whereas it's sort of the same with me and my brother Matty. Like we're just I've always been into the same shit. I think that's one of the best things about motorsports in general too you know like when you're a kid and you're racing and stuff like that and um you know a lot of times families race you just like you're a little race team and you just kind of travel around and you end up being like your own little deal
1: yeah that'd be it was pretty cool dad um he didn't want us to give it didn't want to give us too much or he wanted us to understand working and earning and that kind of stuff so um the, because i mean they were never into motocross racing or anything but too busy with the farm so he gave us the opportunity to to work on the farm and earn the money to buy my bike so yeah. that was the you know at the time it didn't really seem like it but that was a you know very important yeah. gift to me it was just the the lesson on earning and you know how business work and um yeah i was at the time it was uh a nursery say so that you layer. Uh, a tree down in the ground cover it with sawdust it, it sprouts new trees and then you cut them off and you use mm. use that as a rootstocks so then you'll cut the tree off and you'll graft a, a certain apple tree on it so oh, you've right. got a different type of root to a different fruit tree and anyway he, he kind of just gave me the opportunity and then i i got a friend over to help me so i paid him not as much as i was getting so then you know just the, the lessons around running That's a business awesome. and um what age were you uh, I was still in school, so th- 14, 15. I, must, I think it was around... No, 14, 14, because I remember being about year nine when I when I bought my brother's bike off him. Yeah. And that's what paid for it, so...
0: That's so sick.
1: Actually, no. Ah, yeah, 14, 15, around about then. Yeah,
0: and so your dad had like the full farm with the big trees and then you were in charge of propagating the new little trees.
1: yeah not not even that not that advanced so yeah he was running the orchard but um the odd times that he needed to plant a new variety a new crop of apples or whatever he would run this system but he just basically like paid me more than i yeah like i didn't deserve that amount of money for it but the lesson was in running the business so you know i didn't even fully understand what he had to do with the grafting or anything he just kind of left it up to me to you know to do the manual work to you know lay them down and to cover them in sawdust and then to go and cut them and bail them up together but yeah like um kind of an easy job but the lesson was in in running the business and having people work for you and yeah so he's always about always teaching us to try and be smart with our money and um you know they were always about running a business and not sort of you know being yeah not not working for someone else working for yourself so yeah yeah some good good lessons early on
0: it's funny that i I think back now as a dude in his 30s the shit that my dad would like make me do and you know like i wish i could go back and relive the lessons from my dad but with a way more open mind and (laughs) not thinking that he's trying to fucking dog me (laughs) yeah it's a tough one isn't it oh it's so it's so hard i remember being a kid and just having all this to do these fucked up chores and all this dumb <laughs> shit that like I was just so over it but he, he knew what he was doing you know but yeah, still yeah. the messaging was lost on me like we had a messaging <laughs> problem yeah <laughs> I just thought I was being punished <laughs> but like I look back now I'm so grateful for everything you know and, and we had like a, a a 50-50 rule so if I like when I had to, I, I had to buy my first bike yeah so dad said so it was 50 50 you save half i'll pay half you so like mountain bikes BMX, all that any of the shit that i wanted to do was 50 50 and yeah, i mean nice. I, I got a job my first job was at a like a video store 13 nine months yeah. like the day literally the day that you could do it you know like legally work and yeah, then i think yeah. before that i worked in the uh in my uncle's raw materials but and i backed into someone's ute with a fucking front end loader <laughs> i was only 13 <laughs> and they They're like, oh, no, i think we're gonna clip this yeah but um but that it was a real that was good lessons like dad said oh you can do this and you could do this and he like laid out the timeline and i got my i got a job the first day i could get a job i got my yeah. license the first day i was at Same. you know like i just i had
1: it in my head i, I wanted i guess i just wanted to grow up maybe like yeah, i wanted to be yeah. independent yeah i I was definitely the same with the license i um um yeah that was freedom eh yeah yeah the first day the day of my birthday it was a weekday thankfully it was just boom straight in there to get my l's as soon as i could and then the day yeah day i turned 17 was the day i went in and did my test for my peas no i did the same
0: shit i said to mum and dad i was like i was like i gotta have i gotta have this much for a car and this much Mum's like, just chill, man. You might not get it, and I was like, I'm fucking getting <laughs> yeah, it, dude. Yeah. Like, I've studied harder for this
1: L's test than any test <laughs> in school ever. They got it hard nowadays, though. We, I mean, I was a bit annoyed that we had, I think, twenty hours we had to do on our on our learners before we could get our Ps, and now it's something like hundred hours. Or How old are you? Thirty five. Oh, so really? So
0: you had to do hours and stuff back in WA? Yeah, what, what we did none here? of that. I think you do now, but yeah, when yeah. I got mine. I got my learners and then I had that. It was six months, I think. And then I got my Ps and that that was it. I didn't have to do,
1: I just had to hold my learners and then do a driver's yeah, test. So okay. I didn't have to do logbooks. I didn't have to do anything. Yeah, right. I just know we, on our, when we were 16, we could apply for our Ls and we had to get, yeah, a logbook. I think it was 20, it must have been 25 hours. But then a few years later, it went up to 50. And I think it went up to 100. I mean, I cheated enough on the 20 hours. No, no, 20, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> how stupid. But I guess, you know i was lucky enough to grow up on a farm so i yeah. had you know, a lot of extra driving experience so yeah not everyone gets that opportunity yeah that that's one of the things like i definitely i had a stage where i was
0: like oh, if i have kids i don't think i'll let them race and ride bikes and all that you know because you, you know the injuries and yeah, shit. Yeah. but i look back at it now like i've never been in a car accident i've, I've always been able to fix my shit you know i've had like radiators blow up in cars you know what i mean like you just (laughs) there's a certain skill level and and it'd be even more for you guys like living fully on the farm like that but man valuable skills to learn
1: yeah for for life yeah definitely i'm really really grateful of, of growing up on a farm so many lessons like having an older brother as well doing this stuff he was I guess I was a little bit more seemed like a more of a lost child, like a you know just wandering yeah. days off all the time. But um, everything like dad, you, there wasn't farming wasn't that lucrative and or still isn't unless you unless you giant corporation. Yeah. But you need to you can't just if a tractor breaks you can't always just get someone who can't always, you know take it into a mechanic shop and pay a hundred bucks now and, or whatever. Yeah. So a lot of things you'd have to fix yourself and make do. Like a an implement would would break, and you just you need to know how to weld and know you know basic mechanics. And so, yeah, we learnt a lot of that stuff, and just I loved fabrication, mechanical fixing, repairing, just you know doing stuff with my hands. So awesome, have, awesome place to do it.
0: Have you ever had with all like you've seen literally all of the world? Have you ever had a pull to leave WA and you know, live in a city or live in a different place, or or
1: is that or you're just never gonna leave that um, farm? No, well, so I've thought about it. Like early years in freestyle, I thought you know I I needed a bit of land. I was grateful that Dad had um you know had a bit of bushland on the farm that I could build some jumps, but. Like as freestyle took off, we, I thought, you know, I don't know hell I'm going to do it for. Is it worth moving to another country to be more central? And we weighed up a few options and, like, to be a non-resident of Australia, I had to basically, you know, not we, – we'd got an investment. My brother and sisters got an investment house and I kind of just had to move everything, bank accounts and everything, and, and have a house somewhere else to be a non-resident if it was going to work out better for tax, but, you know, just – I loved I loved being there on the farm and it might have been a bit of extra travel, longer commute. But I think um, commute, yeah, the most remote city in the world. I know, I know. Some some people are like, oh, it's great you get to see the world. Like, no, no. I, I commute for thirty to forty hours. I some see places. planes. Yeah. I live in a fuselage. <laughs> there have been a few events where I've been more spent more time on the plane than I did in the city. Horrible. But <laughs> well, that's
0: our. You know what? I feel you, and that's why we're doing this Manji Up trip. Yes. It's, it's time for us to feel the pain of being in a car for longer than being at the road. Yeah, but at least you can stop and every now and then get out, stretch your legs and you know. Oh the planes, but man. Those fuck dude so what's a what's the worst flight that you've done then?
1: From Perth? Um there'd be some doozies. Oh, look. I mean, one of the worst is a is just a red eye coming over east. Oh, like um, if here, the flights, yeah. That is the shittest flight yeah. I've ever done. And if if you're in, so if you've if you're not that exhausted during the day, physic physical exhaustion is just a lot different to mental. mental. So yeah, you can feel tired, but if you've been sitting all day, you you know you can get away with three or four hours sleep, no worries, and still function. You know, yeah, I've done that. I've done an event in America, flown to Dubai for a competition had a couple of hours sleep on the plane and we got there at 6 a.m and i went straight out and practice and went through a day as normal but then on the way back i had a few days got beat up that might not have been the worst flight but the flight back from dubai back to u.s to continue on the nitro tour i was with clinton moore and we were both so jet lagged it was horrible um don't didn't know if we needed more sleep less sleep <laughs> yeah. um, i had a few hits so i was bruised and sore and Thankfully, we had some physios on Nitro that just dry needles everywhere to loosen up all these sore muscles, and we we were both doing the show. And there's one I I had it on my helmet cam, but uh, a part of the show where we do side by side ruler flips. Yeah, (laughs) the only the only venue, um, so uh, or pretty pretty tight like indoor ice arenas or you know ice hockey stadiums so we'd land it wouldn't have much room they'd put all these paddings around yeah, around yeah, the yeah, outside sort of and yeah on the left so <laughs> there was just, just mattresses padding in front of me but Clinton where he jumped there was I feel like the only venue that ever had a doorway leading out of there and <laughs> we landed I had obviously had a bit more throttle and kind of almost got whiskey and just got on the brakes enough and clint did the same but he just whiskey wound it on and went straight through the bike went through mattress clothes lined him took him off the took took him off the bike and thankfully our security guy maddie told the guard to move out of the doorway in case the bike came through because it just yeah clint just landed his second wound (laughs) and picked the only picked the only hole out of the stadium but um yeah, we both realised it's just like we were actually dangerous on a bike. Yeah, it was – I don't know. It was hard to know. You know, there's jet lag, but it's you can be tired, you can be physically exhausted, you can be sore, you know, lactic acid, just all these things come into play and they all affect you differently and we didn't really know what we <laughs> – <laughs> Didn't know what was up Yeah, there and back yeah. front. Yeah, didn't know what to do to – tried sleeping more tried doing Man, all the stuff but just needed a couple of days i think
0: sleep deprivation
1: is weird like it have is. you
0: ever done any um it's, it's something i sort of like half want to do is like a some kind of sleep deprivation because i've done some gnarly flights like we did one we went from california to detroit detroit to ireland ireland to hamburg this was to film like a rock concert, like a yeah. rock band. We we're going on tour with this band through Europe. And then we got to Hamburg. It was like, I don't, I can't remember what time we left or when, what, but it was just this constant fucking trip across the world. Landed in Hamburg. The band hit us up. Now, like, Hey, we've had our passport stolen in Berlin, so we won't be in Hamburg. Um, so we'll meet you guys in Cologne in two days. <laughs> so we are like, fuck Hamburg. We're going to Amsterdam. And we are all kind of crossed up. Because we'd had this weird sleeping thing on the flights and the whole deal, so then we um, we get there, we just weren't tired. Even though we'd, it's probably been like thirty hours at this point, weren't yeah, tired. Yeah. So we're like, fuck, fuck Hamburg, we're going to Amsterdam. And then so my business partner at the time is Dutch. He's never been there, so yeah, right. we're, so we're like, we're going, we're going to Amsterdam. Go drive on the autobahn fucking wedged like so, just pinned the it's whole cool isn't it it was sick <laughs> uh, that was the other reason why i wanted to go to I, I wanted to go on the autobahn we had a pretty cool like audi you know standard yeah, sort of yeah. thing there fucking wedged, dude but like we left at probably 11 o'clock at night from hamburg to yeah. go to amsterdam we got to amsterdam at five in the morning fucked like completely <laughs> roads we couldn't take into any hotels so we're sleeping in this rental car on the side of a canal in amsterdam <laughs> and it's like 40 minutes before sunrise and then you know we sun comes up and everyone's walking and riding their bikes past us and shit we end up booking a hotel at the airport we're like fuck we've just got to get some sleep it was the first place we could get into and um got to the hotel unloaded our shit the band calls us we got our passports back We're the show's on in Hamburg in like 10 hours so then so then we fucking had like 2 hours sleep and then I drove back and dude like i was doing the windows down i was had my hand like it was winter i had my head out the fucking thing with like some sunnies on like yeah (laughs) slab. i was fucked like we got to this show and i i think it ruined our trip to be honest yeah like those few days for weeks man like we drove from there we drove like all through the uk all through scotland it it was a big trip but that i just felt weird don't
1: don't like uh it's almost like delusional you know yes yes uh, yeah it's like worse than i remember someone explaining when we were kids like the the sleep deprivation most of a hangover like it's, it's the worst yeah, thing for you yeah, was, yeah i, I figure all the stats around it but yeah, it was way worse than what I, what I thought but since discovered that after traveling for years and having to you know have flights at odd times and had to be so smart sometimes with when i went to bed on the plane and yeah. you know, what i did you know just see, sometimes if they're really hard to sleep sometimes you can't keep yourself awake but yeah you've got to make an effort to start adapting before you even get over there so you're not yeah. just ruined when you get there and yeah it's um tricky but yeah actually you were saying you wouldn't mind doing something some training that's well, like a sleep deprivation but yeah S- so SAS kind of training
0: yeah so that's like the navy seals and the SAS and that the biggest thing of their training is not physical but it's mental, yes, yes. And they're putting them through this sleep deprivation because apparently, like, that's the thing that makes people break. Like, if you want to figure out like where you're at mentally, sleep deprivation. Yeah, that's that's the way <laughs> that you really, you know, test yourself. And the the other thing, actually, I wonder if um, have you ever done any fasting or anything like that?
1: Not for that long, no. Yeah,
0: okay. No, oh, Not more than a day. Yeah, so I want to do like a two day. I want to start with like it probably. I feel like I'd be able to do 24 hours pretty easily. You you would easy. Yeah. Yeah, but um I'd like to do a 2-day or a 3-day fast. Yeah. Cuz apparently that shit is awesome for your stomach and digestion.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's um like I've heard if you eat dinner early enough, it's like it's quite a good fast to go into a breakfast. But um yeah, even you know a lot of diets incorporate a fast day in there and it is great to to let your body you know Take everything out of your guts, and you kind of just cleanse your body, get rid of some chemicals and nasties. And I think it works good with um, sugars and stuff in our diet as well. We get too much, you know. Yeah. Too much grain and too many sugars. Where you know it's excess, so our body might want to store a bit for later. But I feel like it's always better if even if you have rubbish, like if you just fat or let you let your guts completely just, run out, yeah. and you go through that bit of a burning hunger, and then that almost goes away, like you sort of. Yeah. yeah it's good it's good sort of reset
0: yeah I, i've heard about it a lot recently and then i was listening to a podcast with george saint-pierre the fighter um and he talked about he like regularly does three-day fast and he loves it and he said he trains the whole way through it yeah. it's just like a thing that he really enjoys but i think it's like mentally but i, I think uh yeah i think the sleep deprivation thing is um is like the real test I don't, I don't know why i feel like compelled to Fucking, do it's that, a challenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like a, a weird sort of thing to do.
1: Yeah, I know. Our I, um, I missed out on it, but our local footy team did a bit of um, you know oh, some preseason yeah, yeah, bonding. Yeah. But yeah. one of the local guys there did SAS for a couple of years, and and so he ran them through a couple of nights of training exercises. Let them go to sleep, wake them back up half an hour later. You know, flip some tires, go to sleep, and just kind of do that, and have to work together. But um, when you're all tired and grumpy and angry and yeah so it's good for good for some team bonding and and um yeah like uh, just basically team building yeah lessons learning how to not just be pissed off with each other all the time <laughs>
0: yeah you you were real into your training for like it seems like when you so you were kind of started doing these nationals and stuff like that and you were um oh it's the wa events but it seems like you really got into like the physicality side of it you were like a real uh calculated and like methodical about the way that you approached freestyle like physically and mentally like is that pretty fair to say
1: yeah yeah definitely um uh i remember doing like an aptitude test and realizing that i was quite i'm quite analytical with a lot mm. of things and like it's with some things it seems a little anal with some things that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't what would help be like an all, anal but, i know just um say bike preparation or something like that i can um well i break things down a bit too much and think oh, i need to have this like this and you know a bit too much time to think about it but um um uh, maybe it sometimes it'll just slow me down if i'm doing work and i th- think about how things are working think oh this has to instead of just sort of getting in and doing the work i kind of try and process too much and think oh, it has to be done right it has to be you know, it just ends up nothing changes. It just takes me way longer because yeah. I, I think yeah. I have to do it a certain way. But um, certainly doesn't help with cleanliness. I'm not not a very clean, tidy, organized person. <laughs> I
0: feel like that's a trait of people like that because I, I feel like I'd put myself in that category as well. Like it's I a love bit of to, OCD. Not, I don't know whether it'd be OCD, but like I really have to understand shit. Yeah, yeah, like really once and once like i get obsessed mm. like jiu is a perfect example like i know so much more about jujitsu than my body is capable of doing yeah so like my brain level of jujitsu is so far <laughs> ahead so like i literally will spend like the next years of jujitsu like just catching up like yeah just, right because you can't like there's just a certain level of control over your own limbs and flexibility and you know like uh even just ability to do the thing that's in your head on a person of like a height you know so there's so much but in terms of like i started doing it and i just got extremely obsessed with it and i was like i have to understand this i have to know how this thing works even if i can't do it and i'm sort of the same about motocross like golf anything that is like technically there's like a lot of technique in it and it's like multi-light there's i guess like the meta you know, like you've got this overall thing, and then here's like the metadata that exists yeah, within yeah. it. That's, I just fucking love to be, <laughs> I love
1: living in metadata. Yeah, right. Yeah, I definitely like to, to understand and, um, um, yeah, like, and anal- certainly compared to my brother, I always analyzed things a lot more, and he was a lot more gung ho. That's how I kind of realized I was a little bit different, but it kind of slowed me down in a few areas, but kind of helped me out in some areas too, because I, I was a bit more, like with training motocross training i might he, he would just go and give something crack when i would think oh you know you don't want this to happen or want to try and eliminate some problems or some injuries or whatever and so it kind of helped me maybe prolonged i said certainly, yeah. certainly one in the life department life department but um yeah like i just try a bit harder with um making things right and making things work instead of just sort of giving it a crack and hoping Hoping for the best best, yeah
0: and so how did that fit into freestyle at first
1: um because obviously quite um yeah had some balls when i was younger just a lot of teenagers you feel feel unbreakable but um just because i like to understand things and like for the flip there's a lot obviously a lot going into the the mental side of things to be able to commit to it but i I could see myself doing because I understood exactly what needed to be done. I understand the physics behind it, like the bike's heavy. I need to move my weight off the back to almost do a wheelie off the end of the ramp. And just because I could understand that, it was easy for me to picture what I was doing. And so then, easy to do it then because once you can visualize something, you're you're halfway there. So then a lot of tricks were a little like that where I could um, just picture what i had to do before i before i started learning like say thing like a a double flip might not be the same because you're just thinking spin faster and hold on for two but some tricks you had to really break down what you're doing like a a seat grab flip was one that took me a while because i i I had to if you flip and you take your feet off you, you drift away from your bike so but then the, the grab part is sort of behind your legs almost. So it's like I had to oh, it wasn't yeah. until I, I saw Tom Paget doing it flipping and having his bum right back. It looked a bit awkward, but straightening your legs and having your bum back opened up the before you could take before you then took your feet. Yeah, off. so that having your legs back freed up the grab area so then I could like flip, lean back, grab it, and I'd sort of break down the process. so then I'd run that through my head. And so then when I was starting to flip, I could just when I was learning the trick, I could just go bit by bit, all right, lean back, yep, get that bit right and then just sort of add to it each time. But I had to be able to break some tricks down in my head into into stages and sort of understand what happened to for me to be able to um, work it out and then go and do them.
0: Yeah, so then you've got like these two levels to doing something like that because I feel like I could understand a backflip, but I'm definitely not going to do one. Mm. So you know like there's two parts that you've got to have to make up you know like the person like you that can do all this shit that no one else in the world's even done before so i don't know what's the second part then that like the want to do it and then the committing to it like have you <laughs> yeah. have you put much thought into the breakdown of those particular areas
1: yeah well there's the um i guess the, the mental side of things being confident like some i mean there's a i remember listening to someone explain how there's a portion of us that react differently to adrenaline and so some people might freeze or mm. and then some people like f- feel like for us it almost slows time down yeah. and you're you taking more like sometimes it's a bit much but you like you you feed off it and yeah so that's one one key is you kind of need to if well, you're a person that's either like, yeah, yeah well i guess if you have that you can you can put yourself into a scary situation and still work with it but then someone that might not be that kind of person they might have to go about it another way to progress to to get a backflip like they um you know like trampolines, a good one if you've got a bungee or something you can you get the feeling of a rotation in your head um i knew learning a flip that once i started the rotation i knew that, that like momentum would just it would keep going but some people would just as soon as they get upside down they They freak out yeah Yeah. so i knew that i was you know if if i started the rotation i didn't have to worry about what happened in the air because i'd just keep rotating then i'd just wait until i could see the landing again but it's uh yeah there's that mental strength is a is a big thing um if you can visualize it if you can understand it and and trust in yourself you know believe yourself believe in yourself is a is a huge thing a, a big help and then there's got to be like a motivating
0: factor. Yeah, true, to, true. You
1: know? With so a, like, do you, what, what's that for you, do you reckon? Yeah, I feel like with everything, there has to be a, a motivating factor. Why? Mm. Like, there's a book for you. It all starts with why. You yeah. Know, why you do something, you want to drive behind it. But for me, I just love pushing my limits, to be honest. To start, ever since I was a kid, I just... <laughs> rules, whether it's just with the parents or um, doing anything. Like, my brother and I just loved pushing it if we made a jump we just want to go bigger or you know jump high or jump further or do another flip into the water or you know just whatever we were doing we just had to sort of keep pushing ourselves you know pushing past our limits basically
0: and and there's a certain level of like even if even if it's trivial like because this is one of the things i think about with jiu-jitsu is like it's quite trivial like i'd i'd there's definitely like a very practical element of jiu-jitsu like there's a there's a, a very important self-defense component yep. but i also never want to use that like yeah. i never want to be in a situation where that's a thing that i even have to use and then you go to a competition and you fly to melbourne and you fucking fight all these dudes and then you know <laughs> it's trivial it doesn't actually make sense yeah, it, yeah. Or, not that it doesn't make sense but it's like it's sort of pointless especially if you never want to use it in a real situation yeah it's like but learning to fight but you don't want to fight <laughs> yeah but it's there just, is some kind of fulfillment that comes from you know whatever that that there is a motivating factor mm-hmm. there and then that does okay. cause fulfillment and it'd be the same for you like yeah, it might be like you just want to do an extra backflip into the damn Yeah, over accomplishment.
1: I feel like that's a big mm. one, motivating factor for me, especially was not only to to push my limits, but to accomplish something bigger, something better. And, you know, just to like problem solving and stuff like that. I like not only doing the problem, but the sense of finishing it, completing something, learning something new, and you can get to the other side or learn a new trick and think, you know, that felt good. I, learned something new progressed it's um i mean life's all about progressing i feel like every day everything every industry is progressing all the time so yeah you know you can progress faster or slower and i just like to (laughs) progress as fast as i possibly could in whatever i was doing that that sort of makes freestyle kind of
0: unique in a sense oh i suppose you could kind of apply it to everything but like you're progressing in yourself on your farm in wa where there's no cameras there's no one watching and no one really cares it's just you care and you're doing it and your friends that you're around but then you take that to then a competition and then you know so there's like the the two sort of elements there's like the progression thing but then there's also the competitive side where you're like you then take that to a competition and you're like i want to win i want to use what i've done here to there that um, and it's like a, a weird thing because it you're almost it's probably not even about winning the competition as much as it's about doing what you've practiced somewhere where it counts
1: yeah well, uh, for me it was all, always competitive uh, a family five kids um, athletic we were all just competitive against each other so that was another thing that I did like I didn't <clears throat> I never went to a competition to impress anyone I'd I guess it was two sides. There was me um, sort of proving to myself that I could do the tricks or, you know, just basically doing these tricks that I'd learnt to do. But also, you know, you get to that point where you also want to beat other people. when yeah. you're there. And it's just, I feel like a lot of times I think, oh, I'm not too worried what I get, you know, leading up to the competition. And when there. There, you get there, all you want to do is win. Yeah. You want to beat the other guy. So obviously there's limits you can, it's not like um say a sprinting race or something where it's like you, you just give it everything like with freestyle there's there're limits you you can only do what you can do yeah and then, uh, but, uh you know anything further than that you're risking injury or death you know some yeah. guys copped it worse but yeah it's you know very dangerous when you're trying to do things that you hadn't done or you hadn't practiced before so yeah i guess the the main competition is with yourself to just to be 100
0: yeah do everything that you can do 100 percent.
1: yeah i feel like early days some of the guys Deegan pastrana those guys i feel like they'd on the edge like they could do stuff and they would often push themselves push the limits but i think uh maybe being a bit older when i started in freestyle yeah. a lot of the guys like levi jacko those guys were started quite young and I'd already copped you know a lot of injuries by the time I'd started but you get to a certain age sort of mid-20s closer to 30 and you really think twice about injuries and stuff like that and so I starting later I was motivated but I think I I feel like I might have I I just thought about things a lot more so I only had to put up with a couple of years of stupid stuff before I smartened up and thought you know I better not do that you know better (laughs) learn right and you know practice things and try and look after myself a bit better so i avoided a lot of injuries man it's funny you just mentioned jacko and levi jacko
0: fucking weird wizard dude with you know like engineering flying planes like building his own shit very mechanically like there's some shit going on there levi sherwood cnc machines yeah. build his own bo- like there's a theme that goes at the top level of freestyle and uh travis he's a smart motherfucker he is you know yeah. there's a lot of physics that he is aware of and so that it's very interesting like you guys at that top level of that sport there's some very unique shit that goes on mentally i reckon
1: yeah there is i i never really um sort of compared myself with them too much i'd look up to them jacko when i was younger i thought was an idiot but I realized he's, he's actually like the smartest dude yeah ever. really smart he just yeah. does dumb stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but levi was always you know little little secretive about doing things but you know is really clever i love love seeing the creations and stuff that he's been doing is yeah really really talented bloke yeah and it's just a it's a weird trend
0: that there's you know there's personality types that suit in certain things and there's obviously like there's a little bit of a recipe like there's obviously room for variation yeah and you know there's different factors that can come in like you're not the same as jacko like he's a wildly different person to you hope not (laughs) (laughs) but in terms of there's definitely some very similar ingredients that when you add them together that they produce these dudes that are able to do this like really crazy unique shit on dirt bikes
1: yeah i think so and I, I feel like one thing that um at least most of us have is coming from a sort of rural or farming background because yeah true way eh? there's just that upbringing you get a lot more room you sort of um i mean you need somewhere to ride so for starters it's it's much harder for someone in the city to to take up the sport without having somewhere to practice it but yeah just um being on the farm you sort of you feel like maybe may be a bit more resourceful like you have to make do with things and you have to sort mm. of you know get yourself where you want to be and i always thought it i just thought it was impossible to do to become a freestyle rider i had to be in america to to be a professional freestyle motocross rider but i think that in the same sense gave me the motivation pushed myself i didn't push myself to be there i just knew that you know I've, to get anywhere, I had to to push myself more than I ever thought. So, just sort of worked hard and didn't know where it was going to take me. <laughs> there is a level, and this
0: is definitely what you got to, where, and I think I don't know whether this is like. Sometimes it feels like this is lost on people. Like we we actually posted a video with Deegan. We had Deegan on the podcast, yeah, and uh, he had it's pretty funny line. He was like, "Well, fucking." tell your dad if he wasn't such a pussy maybe you could have all this cool shit too (laughs) and uh and he was sort of talking about like he didn't have any special opportunities he didn't have anything he just fucking did it like he he became undeniable yeah and i think that um you always that there is like a, a mentality of people that will never do anything because they have this mentality of like it took something special you got lucky this happened you had this but it's like, you look at a guy like you, it's like, you shouldn't be the best, one of the best freestyle riders ever. Yeah. That's not, you're from an apple farm in WA. Like, that's, I mean, not, the, <laughs> that's not the prerequisite. You didn't yeah. grow up in Southern California or you weren't around the X Games. You didn't have industry connections. But there's a certain level that, you, like what you just said of, I just kind of had to focus on myself and be, you know, work hard. What you ended up doing was becoming undeniable it didn't matter that you lived in perth it didn't yeah, matter yeah. that you didn't have any of these connections and all of the shit that could be a potential excuse now doesn't matter because you did the things that you did you became this undeniable talent
1: within the sport and then the rest of it just takes care of itself right yeah yeah it, it's, it's interesting it's um you you're just working hard because you're, you're passionate and you just want to be the best you can be it's like um entered a competition because i wanted to see how it go i wanted to win and then during that competition you meet someone that's running another event and then it's through the passion and through pushing yourself and you know progression that you you meet these people and all these doors are opened and and it just wouldn't happen if you if you didn't learn the tricks if you didn't push yourself if you didn't um you know give it a crack
0: (laughs) And, and the thing is that you were doing all of that before the opportunities were there yeah yeah and I think that's a lot of a lot of times people will look at the you that's there now, and you're like, oh, it's, look how easy it is for him to practice. He's got
1: an air bat. It's like, well, I didn't have one. <laughs> yeah, it is funny like that. It's um, um, it's it's easy. It is really easy to to look at people and say, yeah, like there were opportunities. I mean, everyone gets opportunities, but you you have to also be prepared for when that opportunity comes around. Like um, uh, the the first few, I had to had to pay had to get myself to these rev heads i crashed had to go through recovery had to um you know i i mean i was lucky i had the room on the farm but still had to build the jumps had to yeah had a bobcat um that was hired I've, i think the old man had hired on you know it's just still had to pay for diesel the old man i still had to work on the farm to to pay for my bike to buy things like that and right up to x games like my my first x games uh i got a bronze in best trick and um what trick was that with just double flip jacko did a front flip Sinclair did a double flip knack um yeah and just like on tv like oh congrats you got a third it's like that was the that was a horrible weekend it was terrible i went there with my mate ash who you know ride with but he's a mechanic as well and um in practice i uh (sighs) did a I was doing one-hand takeoff flips. I remember Nate Adams doing like them. Love that. Uh, just off Super Kicker, and I did one in practice. I was under-rotating. Not going to make it, so I jumped over the front and just smashed. Not Didn't break it, but jarred my ankle. So hard, it was just... I could barely walk, and it was swollen, and had to um, strap it up to jam it in my motocross boot, so I could barely even walk on that. And then... Um, think I, I must have got my best trick done. I only just snuck that around, which was was awesome. It was just a an accomplishment to finally do a bunch of dirt. But then in the freestyle was that the first time you'd done one to dirt. Uh yeah, yeah. I think I did a couple I was at Travis's beforehand. I think I'd been to X Fighters, back to Trav's and um yeah, we'd bunch into the pit. I did a couple to his mulch pile but mulch bit soft sort of get to the wheels and got sucked in and just Yeah, slammed. yeah, yeah. 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 yeah um yeah but then in the freestyle competition I tried hard for a rule flip and as I straightened up tried to look through a bit too hard and dislocated one shoulder and my right shoulder and so I sort of got back to my bike but washed out and I was done and you know like people like yeah congrats on gold but I couldn't walk I couldn't move my arm my mate Ash had to do everything I had to cart my bags I was like, just struggling to move around and oh, it was just horrible but you know you just <laughs> There's all this training and stuff that goes on in the background and um yeah it's never it's never easy but I guess you really you need a burning desire to yeah to learn or to progress no matter no matter what comes in your way. And
0: it's weird, eh, like you're so right, you need that burning desire, but like none of us know where the fuck that comes from. <laughs> yeah. None of us know how to cultivate it. None of us know we, it's just you either have that desire for that thing or you don't. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking yeah. And, weird. eh? are
1: talking about um some people say I, oh, they've got an opportunity. Some people are also just happy to 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 cruise. Sort yeah. of don't want to step too far out of the comfort zone. So I guess different people are happy with different things. And I was, you know, like one of those ADD kids who didn't want to sit still, didn't want to be in class, but always wanted to be doing something outside and just loved being extreme. Basically, yeah. sort of showing off and and just pushing my limits. So
0: the what what was your like big break you reckon that really sort of started the whole kind of deal
1: when i um like events wise i guess i feel like the last so honda yeah in in, when was it Uh, um super x was in oh wait so yeah yeah i was lucky that honda sent me that bike over so i was able to, to ride it train and and I got back to learning the rule of flip and a couple of other flip tricks and, you know, regular motocross freestyle tricks. Uh, later in the year when Super X was around, we um, we had to get ourselves there. And, and But Honda was, they held a bike over there. I, th- I think that's what happened. But anyway, they had a bike there for me. I just had to have, I think I took some parts over or maybe they'd set up the suspension for me or something. And, but I had to get myself to the competition. So, there was like Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney. Townsville that year. Townsville. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And um, it rained that in Townsville that year. Is that the last one? I think a so, complete yeah. washout. They yeah. basically yeah. rebuilt the whole track yeah. in a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, so that was, was... Townsville or Brisbane? Oh, there was a Brisbane one that was real wet too. Uh, so, I feel like maybe the last one that was in Brisbane, yeah. that was when I won. So the first few events basically had to fly myself over there um you know cost me 1500 bucks or whatever flights accommodation and you'd get a couple hundred bucks back if you one surprise money if you got say a podium you might pay for your way and by the third round that was when i'd um i think levi was injured and um kind of opened up a bit of a doorway and uh, with my ruler flip and a few bits like that a few decent tricks i was able to win the last one and that was when uh, a guy who worked for crusty demons at the time said hey do you want to have a crack at you know crusty demons tour are coming up and so i was just like sick you know always wanted to uh, that was a bit of a, a bit of a door opening there a bit of a turning point because um you know crusty demons at the time it was say in Australia, it was ultimate, but then that guy, the guys that ran cruises at the time, then you know most of them. The promoter was then involved with uh, Nitro nice Circus there. later on, and um, you just sort of these guys know guys, and you meet guys, and just all of a sudden, all these doors were opened. Um, I uh, mate, Steve Sommerfeld. Um, oh, uh, I think Clint Moore was going over to a IFMEX. Uh, night of the jumps event over in europe yeah yeah. and i think he was he was injured one event and um there was a free spot and steve had rang me up said do you want to get to this you know fly over a bit of a trial i guess to see how we go see how the you know there's always a bit of um even if you can ride they do like everyone to get on at these events so yeah fly over there and hang out with the the germans and and (laughs) you know we got along we had fun um did all right and so they were happy to they were crazy those
0: night of the fucking what was it called night, night of, of the, the jumps, jumps. Yeah. yeah i remember those uh <laughs> those events on like the nitro movies and shit they were just like fucking do it <laughs> european fans are just
1: insane across the board right yes yes there are a lot of insane people um crazy, france eh? france was a, a really big one like paris bercy supercross yeah yep. Uh, i think 2011 10 or 11 i, I got to do one of those and that was, that was amazing it was a, an eye opener so it was, it was almost like a Supercross event in Quinana um, at home there's just Krusty's did a show in Quinana years ago and I remember they'd, they'd have to do double fencing because we got a heap of bogans in WA and they're just like you know hanging Ripping off the fences the and the guys would want to jump the fence and I think they um, jumped the fence and just they just had to leave everything and, and get out of there that year but was that the first year for the Krusty show? Because Deegan remember. was um yeah, there's think, that
0: famous fame it was the first ever Krusty shows in Australia ever.
1: I think it might have And happen. then there yeah. was
0: all like the bikies and shit were involved in running it and it was just in the fucking field. And then like they're yeah. all, all the Krusty boys are legit on the mic being like, tear this fucking place apart, <laughs> fucking burn the cop cars but and like fully inspired yeah, a riot. <laughs> I think that was it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They basically just ditched the, and then they like, the ramps right, and See ya. <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: yeah, so I I got to watch them when they come to Bunbury and I was quite young then. But shout out Bunbury, yeah, Gypsy Tales ride day coming soon. Yeah, oh yeah, a couple of cameras around the place. Yeah, I'll have to. You can come and do some laps, eh? Yeah, I don't get out on the track often enough these days. So um, when I've got a bike with soft enough suspension, it's quite enjoyable.
0: (laughs) Yeah, those shows in
1: Europe were just crazy, right? Yeah. So um, Paris Burst is a classic. The French. I oh, know, they, they love a couple of drinks and they get rowdy and loud. Yeah. And um, I remember being outside and the original Paris-Bursley building, it's like, uh, it's kind of built into a hill and there was a bit of a, uh, it's almost like a 45 degree, I think there might have been, actually might have been grass on the side of the building. You know, it was funny and yeah. then there, were, there was like a staggered retaining wall down the bottom. I remember people climbing up and sliding down and then just going too fast and just slamming the steps and just tumbling down and just, you know, breaking limbs, sliding down the edge of this building. But I was just chuckling, thinking, yeah. Well, that's like <laughs> those, um,
0: that's like, have you ever seen those, Um, Ronan, can you Google, Um, what would, it, what would we type in, like the, I don't know, have you seen those places where they just roll down hills? Yeah. They do those running races, uh-huh. like. Yeah, find that tumbling cheese or something like that. Yeah, isn't it? like that's so Euro. It's oh, out of chase. control. Yeah, right. What's it called? The cheese chase. Yeah, <laughs> like what are these guys up to? Where is this? I said Britain, didn't it? turn turn it down, right? Yeah. Like what's this? Is so European. It's <laughs> it's insane. What's the appeal of, of this? But uh, there's ones um, there's ones that I've seen that. They've like let logs go down the hills as well. Yeah. What's that
1: one? Oh, there's a log ride where they. I think they start off. Uh, oh, they slide down. On it. <laughs> <laughs> dude, she just ate shit. Oh, she'd be beat up. Oh no, that's a broken wrist. What are they up to? But like this yeah, so is. That's, oh. You can't even see the cheese there, can you? They've just rolled it down, and they're all trying to get to it first. Oh, oh dude. <laughs>
0: but then like think about it madrid running of the bulls yeah like what are these
1: what is up in europe with all this shit you haven't been to the we Camp do some the they the do balls, that but yeah it's um a yeah, couple we of cool get... events i'd love to get across to no nah, not, not oh, that oh, there one we go though. right
0: now nah, go down <laughs> yeah this one's in japan what is i'd fully don't understand any of this this is pretty sick though Like, that seems super gnarly. <laughs> oh. So for those just listening on iTunes we're watching uh, a bunch of Japanese men <laughs> ride a huge tree down a massive hill and just get fucked up. And it worked. But yeah, I don't know what it is about, like, these countries, they just love that sort of shit. Yeah,
1: everyone's everyone's got their weird ideas weird things that they do
0: (laughs) but yeah the the european shows and like crowds and stuff is just insane yeah
1: yeah there's just just something about them so the first couple of um european nitro circus tours we did were epic so through the winter obviously pardon me obviously not much not many activities going on outdoors it's quite cold snowing in most countries and um yeah we had some epic crowds in the big um, so a lot of them were fairly tight um, you know ice hockey <laughs> ice yeah, hockey stadiums yeah, yeah. yeah we got a couple of um, big soccer fields that were huge but gee some of the crowds are obviously not much going on so they're all pumped they, they just love whatever's going on but man they're loud crazy the animals they're awesome
0: so it's crazy because you're young and you're seeing the world for the first time while also doing these insane tricks. Like, there's a lot going on to process Mm. when you're Josh Sheehan first doing all these shows, right? Because it wouldn't have been like you'd travelled to Europe and travelled all over the world before this.
1: Nah, nah. I was lucky enough, those few Night of the Jumps events went to some weird countries, country Russia, and, you know, get a bit freaked out in some areas. What was Russia like? Um bit all over the place we like some of the big cities were just like cities they kind of seemed a bit grumpier in general but i think it's just that cold that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you can't show any emotion but um uh, <clears throat> some of the uh, like we went to penza in russia um i think we landed in moscow and google penza i want to see penza they told I to us it was like. um five or six hundred k bus ride yeah there you and, go city in russia okay and damn. we thought yeah no roads. you know six hour drive and then 12 hours later we got there and it just terrible roads and uh just such a slow drive um, so crazy eh? yeah just just different like a we, i think we went to one club for an after party and you know, just you think what else goes on in here some of the places <laughs> look so weird really yeah i know in uh in germany there were some i heard about some clubs that kind of (laughs) apparently they have like say a certain night of the week they'll have chains and swings and it's like a like an orgy club (laughs) Uh, russia was and a bit weird like if you're there were so many tall slim beautiful girls walking around but then the clubs just seemed dodgy and the you know, let the girls in and <laughs> I was kind of too scared to go into some of them but he um, was always always pretty quick we'd only spent those couple yeah, of nights in Penza yeah. and then mission back to the airport to get out of there um, yeah did you feel like you got to take in what exactly was going on ah uh, n- not a lot of the time like I mean a lot of time we'd just get there there might only be one day off like we'd get there the day off build the bike or whatever a bit of media hang out and then it'd just be hotel, venue, do the event, hotel, get out of there. So um, there are some places that we got a couple of days off or like a a Nitro tour when, but still, it was like never more than a day or two off between shows. So get a bit of a look around, you know, go see the local, you know, old church building. Whatever the oldest thing is that you can find. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, And then it's just like, oh yeah, I feel like I've seen it. Um, It's a song. I feel like Paul Kelly does a version, but there's a song. It's called "Every Fucking City Sounds the Same." Yeah, feels the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I listen to that, and although I don't like swearing, sorry, but it's just a funny song because he's chasing a girl around Europe, and then every city he goes to, it just it all feels the same. And that's how I feel. You know, I love love yeah. the countryside, and every time I go to a city, of like, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So you feel that in cities, eh?
1: Yeah, just. I don't know. I feel more at home when I can just run amok, make noise, you know, thrash cars, ride bikes, do all that stuff and not have to bother anyone. But, um, yeah. Every, I feel like everywhere I travel, um, like the bigger the city, the more places I go to, the more I appreciate at home where I'm from. Yeah. It might be two hour drive, two and a half hour drive every time I have to fly somewhere, but that two and a half hour drive is, you know, it is the podcast, whatever. Learn how to. Um, spend the time how to make the time go faster but to come back down to the southwest there's um you know a lot of farming there's we don't have too many hills it's not extreme extremely hilly where we are but there are some good mountain bike trails around some good uh, motorbike trails and yeah it's just a, a nice area it's nice um a bit wet in winter but just beautiful yeah
0: what what is it like uh or what's the w a person's view on the east coast like it does it feel like there's a pretty big disconnect like do, do western australians just feel like they're western australians more than australians in a way like, uh, that sounds like extreme but you know what i mean
1: no nah, probably like kiwis where they feel like they're part of australia but we know that they're not yeah no <laughs> um, <laughs> no nah, nah, it's uh ah, I'm, not, know, I'm not saying it's like a bad thing no nah, no nah, but I'm it's you saying, know I'm, what i mean like i is feel it like the, there's not really a you know it's just we're just far away yeah but it's kind of cool in a way that um not too many people head back and forth because it's too far and so up there up the west coast is beautiful up up north of perth because there's just there's no one up there you can often get to these you know beautiful white beaches clear blue ocean and there's just not a person in sight you've got a massive private beach just you and a couple of poisonous jellyfish and a few shark. <laughs> if you go up north enough there there but yeah. Yeah, it's just similar like uh, there is a lot there might be a lot more hilly landscape around sort of, you know, Sydney south. I mean, a lot of cool things up up Queensland. I mean, all along the coast really, the east coast there is a, a lot of lots to see and do. WA is just it's nice but in its own way it's it's very remote, very yeah. um yeah, not very many people, but it's it's cool.
0: It's funny you think about WA. Um, let's just—I'll just, just rabble off some random names like Taj Burrow's, Sam Hill, Josh Sheehan, Regan Duffy, Jeff Leask, Like, keep going. Daniel Ricardo. Oh, Danny Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I forget Danny Rick. <laughs> yeah, but talking about him last night. Yeah, like how many legitimately gnarly motherfuckers like Sam Hill. <laughs> like well, talk about a unicorn! Like that dude's a fucking unicorn. He's an animal, a lot complete of animal. So there's a weird thing that goes on. So I grew up in Cairns, and obviously not as disconnected as Perth and WA. But I felt like growing up in that ecosystem, like our friend group: Jack Miller, Todd Waters, Jackson Richardson, Wade Hunter, Mitch Evans, uh, Wilson Todd. Like. All those dudes have won either MotoGP, uh, Australian titles, m- motocross GP podium. You know what I mean? Like it's. You want some water? <laughs> 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 we'll. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go. go just go. Uh, just keep the camera on Sheeny and then grab them some extra. H two O, Thanks, mate. But uh, I need to get like a big fucking water jug for there.
1: Yeah, and a filter on it because town water is terrible. <laughs> yeah, sorry, mate. We <laughs> fucked you yeah. there. I didn't realise that your water, your, your water <laughs> <Yeah>. quality <laughs> was so intense. Oh,
0: Otherwise, I would have
1: that's fucking that's some quality H two O. That's
0: some hard uh, quality. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I always felt like that isolation made us, uh, maybe not really even know where the limits were so you you end up just doing your own thing and you end up finding your own limits and when you've got enough guys that are around pushing each other that isolation definitely
1: breeds its own version of kind
0: of finding the limit
1: yeah i I feel the same you kind of um expanding on what i was trying to say earlier about like feeling like i was so far from the action it's like you're not with other people to learn from or to to guide you you just kind of yeah it's a good way to put it you're just finding your own limits you're pushing your own limits and kind of not worried it's like california there's so many people riding that yeah they'd often ride together but you'd see what everyone else is doing Jeez, Or you know, thanks um yeah you might be more inclined to follow someone's path or you know guided somewhere from people around you but when you're in the country there's no you know no one around you to, to guide you or to to either help you or to teach you or to show you anything so you just kind of yeah find your own path and could be anywhere but yeah. yeah i feel like it certainly helped with with the drive motivation just i don't know maybe more time just yeah made me try harder made me want to do more
0: yeah well man I'm, I'm i'm thinking and there's just so many more dudes from wa that have killed it like mm. even jack robbo now is one like he's going to be a world champion surfer i reckon from yeah wa you know like there's just so many insanely talented dudes and there's been so many you know before the people that we've mentioned as well and yeah it, it is a weird thing and it, it, i think it comes from isolation and you know we had um a lot of mountain bike world champions come out of Cairns as well like you've yeah. got world class kind of Facilities, I guess, in terms of the mountains, yeah. but um, but yeah, there is a weird thing that isolation, especially if you get a group of dudes together, that you know you can form like a weird little group, and yeah. That, that weird you group can really push each other, yeah. And yeah, when there's no one else around, and you, you, you know, we had like Krusty Demons tapes, and we had <laughs> you know like some old moto movies, and that was sort of it, And And yeah, you just. We were out. We had a. We we're lucky enough to be friends with the Richardson family, and they had a bunch of property, and like there was fucking ten tracks. So every day, where are we riding today? I'll yeah. pull up at this part <laughs> of the farm. Pull up at this track.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. There are some. I don't get out often enough, but for trail riding, just uh, south where we live, sort of just bailing up to Nanup area, not quite down Manjimup Way, but I mean from there all the way down to Manjimup, where you'll be racing later on. It's just a lot more hilly a lot of bushland in the hills and there's a lot of like they have some downhill motorbike uh, downhill mountain bike tracks yeah. there races and yeah and we um just take our road trail but you know enduro bikes through there and you a um, mate works down there in the pines and yeah you just find all these trails and you can have so much fun out in the bush and you just yeah do do what you want to do yeah no it, it is man I'm getting pumped for
0: WA. Here. <laughs> this is perfect timing and I've got Jeff Lees coming in here on Monday. Oh yeah, just running all the WA heroes through this joint before we get going. <laughs> um, when, what was I'm it excited. like meeting Trav? Because I feel like that's probably a um, a turning point in your career in
1: terms of like the way that you could progress. Yeah, look, <clears throat> Travis. Travis was uh, a bit of a childhood hero. I just loved. Uh, i never liked um i I never wanted to say have image or anything like that i just loved doing things and and not trying to look like the cool kid or not trying to be famous and i always saw travis as just the guy that killed it might have been a bit goofy or whatever but he just did it because he loved it and he was ultra talented and and amazing at everything and you know some other guys were sort of a bit too image orientated with a brand or whatever and i just thought yeah that's awesome what he's doing and he just kills it at everything is and you picked that up early from him like uh, you you noticed that in him early yeah i guess it just because it was i uh, you know it felt like a similar upbringing similar person to what i maybe what i was or what i felt like i wanted to be so yeah yeah just some people you just kind yep. of see him and you think ah, oh, that's oh know. for sure there was dudes that wanted to be brian deegan yeah there was dudes that wanted to be travis for yeah i certainly didn't break it down like that back then but it just i saw him and thought oh that's cool i want to be like that you know do just do cool stuff and (laughs) and just not care about anything else and um yeah to actually uh, i remember i can't remember how long before i joined nitro and met travis but i remember thinking at one point how awesome would it be to be sponsored by red bull and and ride for nitro circus you know just thinking about travis's position and then within a couple of years i was there had had the sponsorship and met him and um I think it was two thousand and eleven. Finally, got to ten, ten or eleven. Anyway, one of those years. Finally, got onto Aussie uh, regional nitro tour, and it was it was amazing. It was a bit, you know, it was a bit sort of shy and uh, a bit quiet because there was just a whole group of people that I hadn't met yet. And but yeah, he was just so humble, down to earth, and just a legend. And um, you know, always so energetic. But everyone just feeds off his energy when he's around. Him. Yeah. Um, and he's just, yeah, he's so helpful. He's always wanted to do fun things. And I think it was, um, I feel like it was in 2010. Ah, oh, no, 11, 2011. And then at the end of that Nitro tour, he was like, oh, does anyone want to come back to my place and learn some tricks? And I was like, you know, <laughs> straight yes, there. Sir. And a lot of people had jobs and stuff. And I just kind of, um, I think I was still in seasonal drilling at the time and didn't really have a job anywhere that i had to be so i was just like, yeah jump straight over there and that's when i he had a i don't know just the way he thinks is good like oh you know maybe think of three things you want to get out of this trip three tricks you want to learn and um double flip and started playing with a special flip and i forget what else but the double flip just with the 450 it was just sort of something that appealed to me and it's like i reckon if you can do a double flip you know with the your bag of trips you tricks you'll be able to win x games and so yeah, good one. So that's started me on uh, started uh, the whole, whole whole double flip trip. So I was just getting confused yeah, yeah. about the dates. Then yeah. I feel like it might have been end of two thousand ten because I'm pretty sure I went to X Games in eleven. Yeah, <clears throat> eleven was a a big year. A lot happened that year. So, but um, yeah, it was amazing. He's just so helpful. You know, let me stay at his house and just he had a couple of cars he just was so helpful so he's got a couple of mates that always help and kind of felt at home like Hubert was um bit of a mechanic bit of a machine operator and I kind of loved doing that stuff too so yeah I I could see you
0: boys getting along pretty good actually yeah
1: I kind of felt felt really at home and I could help out when I could and um yeah and still ride and have a blast and learn some crazy tricks and and try to avoid getting hurt was were you the first dude to double-flip a four-stroke? No, no. Um, Scott Murray. Scott Murray and... I don't know, Six was doing a 250, wasn't he? Scott yeah, he Murray was doing a 450. Yeah, okay. Because Trav did... Uh, he was always double-flipping two-strokes. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But he could double-flip anything, I think. Yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the the whole the triple-flip. Um, I remember... Went out there because he'd got tom and myself out there he had this idea he had a ramp and he just wanted and in, and when bag jumper started making oh, those big yeah. box airbags he's like oh you know want to see we'll see what we can do and tom had really good aerial awareness i just had the the balls to give it a crack and travis was just sort of brilliant at everything but he would um after a few ramps he's like oh you know, 250 oh, maybe i'll try the 450 and then like, oh, it's a bit heavier. You know, I tried the light 125 and he's just like, fifth gear on the 125, what? third gear on the 450 and <laughs> he just tried. I think he even tried the 500. He's, um Oh, the armzilla, yeah. He's just, uh, so talented. It was mind blowing really being he, around him. He's a force dude. Yeah.
0: Like, he's <laughs> one of the more bizarre, I've met a lot of people. He's one of the more bizarre and awesome people I've ever met in my life, man. Like, from the how nice he is to everybody how gnarly he is and how like staunch he is about stuff like he knows what he wants and he knows the way to get things done and you know like he's the nicest guy ever but he runs his own program and you know like he's got a there's a combination of factors that go on with that guy that just make him like the most cool and unique dude eh?
1: yeah well it's it was interesting getting over there and meeting his parents too because it kind of it gives shed a lot more light on yeah, why right. he is why he is but um how he is how he is so like, his mum uh just a like, really kind loving christian lady so like i guess very respectful and sort of has good morals and um, then the dad is a um, just a, like an animal of a drill sergeant in the military in the army but like in the army you learn respect and you learn um, yeah yeah there's a lot of rules and uh, I forget the word you, you like discipline discipline yeah a lot of discipline but you're hard as nails so he's just had like all these you learned he's so so respectful so uh intelligent smart and you know um helpful but then he's just he's an animal when he when he had to train his, his dad was like yeah if you want to try <laughs> you got to try hard so he uh yeah good good combination amazing to amazing to be around
0: yeah and then you you wrap that up into a kid that got obsessed with dirt bikes and yeah you know there's obviously like a level of talent there but it's funny i, I had julian wilson on the podcast his uh, surfer yeah. and he was like he was saying oh, i think talent's just bullshit i think that all talent is is just obsession and then you get so obsessed and then you practice and practice and you just yeah, will yeah. yourself into being good and i'm like fuck interesting baby. way of looking at it yeah because yeah. I, I i wonder about that because like i've i'm so not talented in motocross and then so talented in jujitsu yeah okay so i'm like what like how you know how how does it is it the and I like. Lo- i find it fascinating to think about why and especially because i'm talking to people like you for my job you know like people would say you're talented but then it's like is it talent what is it what, yeah, what, what is, is going talent? on what is that thing that's going on and you know like the literally the first time i ever did you to i just was like oh this is sick like <laughs> i love this and then i watch people that come into their gym and they do their first their first class and they're just like what the fuck have i like you know and it's everyone's got like this into i guess what i'm trying to say is like that the baselines are different yeah everyone yeah, right. has this weird different baseline and i think what we call talent is when somebody's got like a fairly high baseline and then they just start building on it you yeah, know what i mean
1: yeah it's it's all it's funny hey so people's brains that everyone works differently so i remember as a kid i was always interested in like doing stuff with my hands like hand eye coordination sporting that kind of stuff but was say never very um smart in school or was yeah. that interested but then some people are more i don't know some more analytical or more you know just people have the areas where they they do better at and then i guess that's where they can develop talents in certain areas because more inclined to be interested or in the things that come naturally yeah yeah so I always loved um, yeah, pushing limits and, and hand eye coordination like doing flips and stuff like that I just love that kind of stuff so I guess it, it it helped me later on when I was you know riding bikes I, I certainly didn't have any talent as a kid I learned on an ag bike and but it was just through sheer passion and and just want to do it and And wanting to push myself
0: yeah that lends into what julian said right is it's just that obsession like you get obsessed with something and then you just do it over and over and over
1: yeah because that's um kind of uh made a lot more sense when some younger kids were saying, oh, "You know what I need to do? I, I just want to. I want to be a famous motocross rider." So I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to be the best I could do. I think that's the problem: is some people want to be this end product, yes. But then, like, you just do what you love to do. You know, yeah. if you if you love it and if you are passionate about it, you, you know, you can learn a way to monetize whatever your passion is. You know, help people. You know, provide some kind of service. Doesn't matter. It's just you know you have to at least start in an area that you like and then yeah wherever your passion lies then you can work on that i honestly think
0: one of the most like uh one of the i guess most interesting achievement of your career from the outside in um is that you really don't give a fuck <laughs> about like being famous being cool quote unquote like you you're not that guy and it's so hard like there there were more people that would want to do freestyle motocross or professional motocross and supercross or professional sport the percentage of people that would want to do that to be famous yeah would be so much more <laughs> than the people like you yeah who don't really give a fuck to be famous
1: yeah and uh, there's a couple that makes me think of Like uh, so a friend told me about the five love languages. Yeah, that was an interesting one. And but also, like um, childhood upbringing, environment, like all that stuff has a play on how you end up as well. Because, like I was never, I guess, a very loving family, so very fortunate there. But then I never really sought to. I didn't. Was never trying to find love anywhere else. I just I like doing things. And so then, um, what I thought, you know when i was younger i thought everyone was you know say like me and wanted to do stuff but then a lot of people you know some people like words of affirmation more and i yeah. was like it was only just a few years ago that i sort of this all became it's clear interesting, to me that love yeah. language stuff isn't it yeah so i just i feel like everyone works differently and is after i feel like they're chasing different things to feel complete and so yeah for me thankfully it was just <laughs> i didn't didn't want i didn't need people to say oh good work i like i didn't care about what they thought you know obviously i didn't want to hurt anyone i didn't want anyone to you know say think i was an absolute dick or anything like that but i still it wasn't their opinion that was driving me or that was affecting me i just um yeah it's a bit of a (laughs) no no i know i know exactly what you're saying that's it i've never really thought
0: of it um i've read that love languages book um and it is pretty interesting (gasps) And to think about, yeah, that being the reason why, you know, that you didn't really care. Like, you don't need words of affirmation. You don't need people to tell you that you're good. And, yeah, that, I've never thought that that could actually correlate with the fact that you don't, you know, you weren't ever doing freestyle to be famous or... Because all that shit comes, you know? Mm, like, yeah. yeah and people obviously know who you are. Like, when you're on TV and or you do a triple backflip, like, people will find out that you did that you know what I mean it's but then yeah there is like definitely people that they want to be famous and that's like people that start bands or be actors or you know like there's all of these kind of things that you know people that's what they want out of it and then they'll kind of trudge through the process of making
1: movies and yeah I do do. wonder though if there are a lot of a lot of people might be wanting to be famous but then there are a lot of people even like singers and you know band members pardon me actors that purely like to act and like to do all that stuff so it'd be interesting to know that i
0: i feel like they would be the people that reach the very pinnacle yeah yeah i I feel like you can only fake it a certain amount or like that level because what you said before about like the um i guess the way you looked at it it's like you were just in love with the process of doing it not like the end result. And I think that if you're, you know, like this podcast, for example, like, dude, the, the time that I spend actually like posting a video and then looking at it being like, wow, well, that's doing great. You know, that's like a very small percentage yes. of the time. Like, but I don't really get to enjoy, you know, I'll look at the numbers and be like, that's fucking crazy, but that's it. Yeah, because yeah. there's more work to be done. Exactly. Like if you stop, and smell the roses essentially and like if that was the motivation you're only going to get to stop and smell that garden for a couple days before those flowers fucking die so like if you don't keep it's the work that you've got to love like you've got to love the the thing that
1: yields the results not the result yeah yeah good point that's another a big big part of um being successful as well as some guys love love riding motorbikes and want to be successful but I really I loved hard work I love hard training you know it's a lot harder now like I need something to be motivated but like football it's it's hard and you get sore and it's it's a, a process but I sort of love the challenge I love pushing myself through that and I think growing up on a farm that helped me also yeah. learn to work hard and dad pushed me a lot well helped me a lot to motivated me a lot to work hard and um yeah, you get more done the more you, the harder you work. The more you can learn, the more you can progress. The better you get. So, although, yeah, I might have got good at motorbikes, but it was a lot of hard work. Was, yeah, yeah but the fact pain. that you like the hard work, yeah, is what yeah. yeah.
0: What do you think? Like when you are doing hard work and shit, like footy training or whatever, like a real difficult <sighs> thing to do. Like, what do you? What's the talk that's going on inside your head? Like, because I feel i don't know for me anyway like i got the voice that says like stop like just fuck this is too hard you know (laughs) like you don't really have to do this like you can intellectualize your way out of why you don't really need to do this shit yeah ice bars perfect example yeah for sure i can (laughs) i can literally i my housemate got super into doing ice bars so i just started reading all these research papers on um why not to (laughs) on, on ice bars just to literally see if there was any like hard evidence because that's my brain intellectualizing a way out of a hard yeah, thing yeah, that yeah. I don't want to do, and then I I actually um, did one only a couple of weeks ago down in Sydney with my mate, and yeah, that first thirty seconds, the body's just like, abort, 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 <laughs> abort, like what, whoop, whoop. And You're <laughs> yeah. just like, get the fuck out, <laughs> and then after a while, like you you know, you get through that thirty seconds, and then the next you know couple minutes, you can figure it out, but feel like there is. <gasps> And I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just not the way that you look at it. Maybe there—that's brains working differently. Like your brain looks at it in a different
1: way. Yeah, and and I get in a nice bath and think this sucks. This hurts, but you know it's it's causing me to you know tense up. But now it's a challenge. It's like you have to tell yourself to relax. You have to force yourself to to breathe normal, and then and you can sort of. It's, uh, I mean, physically, it's it's just cold. It's nothing more than cold. So why, you know, so that for me, it's like I've got to overcome this. I've got to adapt, you know, breathe, and then you kind of have to. uh, That's why that um, you know, Iceman, Wim Hof, Wim Hof, yeah, yeah, has a a breathing technique because you can force yourself to be calm. You can force a bit more blood flow through the body, and if you just try and shut down, then you know you, you you lose the circulation through your extremities and it you know, leads to frostbite and stuff like that but um yeah so you, you you have to you know get over it mentally great great for mental strength great for um um i oh, you, you just you feel so good when you get out and i now understand why they say it's it's like good for depression it's good yeah. for a lot of a lot of mental problems that people have it's just it's just so hard but yeah like a lot of things you have to be able to go through these hard things to to really appreciate life or to appreciate things
0: yeah the uh i had a guest on a couple of months ago levi jones leary and he's a professional he's like one of the best in the world at jiu-jitsu and it's funny his mom's like this full hippie chick and she's like a shaman and a healer and all these <laughs> kind of things and uh and she said to him if you do if you learn to do difficult things easily your life will be easy
1: Yeah, yeah, I I like that. Um, It makes me think uh, a few times people, some people try and make life easy. Yeah. And then, like, there seem to be the guys with the problems. And I feel like sometimes I I try and explain it like, um, life's hard. Like, no matter what, everyone, life's hard. But you've got to know that it's hard and you've got to treat it like it's hard. So you give it hell and that'll make it easy. But you've got to think that it's hard. But too many people think that it has to be easier. like they don't want to work they don't want to they want to relax but then that just gets harder it's like you have to it's like there's where we see normal and then that's hard and that's good but like if you just sit there like the gap closes up and then all of a sudden like just anything seems hard but you have to push yourself you just always have to challenge yourself to like why ice bath is so good because we like to be warm but if you just you know, stress your body you put yourself through crap and then you feel so good when you get out and it like it helps you you adapt to it you get your get better blood circulation better mental health and then just the normal just seems so much better because you you put yourself through this crap so um yeah everyone encourage you just to <laughs> yeah to do something that's challenging like, that's why fitness is hard but you've really got to that's why i like football training actually because it's it's, it's really hard in motocross it's a it's a if there's if you're not training with other people it's so hard to push yourself but if you're with a group of people with a group of friends especially you can push yourself and you know it's um it's hard but you 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 have to sort of push yourself you have to you know, <laughs> yeah <laughs> stress yeah stress yourself a little bit to to really appreciate life i reckon
0: yeah no totally and i think that
1: was probably um
0: i would say that i feel like i worked i've worked hard like i definitely knew how to work hard but i i definitely didn't have my head around that concept fully yeah, until yeah. the last few years like I maybe like 28 29 where i really kind of ex- literally exactly what you said like oh fuck there's no such thing as an easy life <laughs> yeah and, and you know what's funny actually this is a it's a um it's like a, a it's the second can you pull up the laws of thermodynamics ronan weirdly enough but it's like the second law of thermodynamics is like degeneration like if you leave something alone in the universe it degenerates so like you you have to um, yeah the second law of thermodynamics states that the entropy of any isolated system always increases so essentially if you leave if you pull an apple off the tree and you put an apple on a table you leave that apple alone in the universe it degenerates it yep. entropies it turns into nothing so that's the process of every single thing that is created in the universe a star goes through that same process yeah, it yeah. just takes billions of years and an apple goes through that process and it takes like 3 days so we we go <laughs> It'll through lasts that a little bit longer than that if it comes from <laughs> if it comes from a machine yeah, yeah. <laughs> but where that too we're a thing that's in the universe that when you leave it alone and it becomes an isolated system in the universe over time, it will fucking degenerate. So like, as soon as like that concept clicked in my brain, I was like, ah, I've been disintegrating (laughs) since I was born. Like I'm growing. And well, I feel like there's a period where you're not, you know, like you're growing. But once you hit that point of like, you're not growing anymore, there's no new cells you're essentially you've been left alone in the universe and you are going to degenerate and you're going to end up like that apple and you're going to end up like that star yeah. you will be reduced to nothing like yeah. everything
1: use it or lose it a hundred
0: percent and so what you're given you know like to get even deeper and weirder into it we've got like this conscious awareness of that we might not think about it consciously But that's whatever's conscious and whatever has life, they're programmed to protect that life for as long as they can, pass that life on. So there's this weird kind of thing about being alive. So that's like essentially in my head now, I'm like, that's why you're alive. You know that there's this process of, of entropy that goes on in the universe. And it's like, you think about your room. If you don't clean your room, that... (laughs) <laughs> fucking entropy like it turns to shit so that's this constant process and i think as soon as you like you just said it you buy into that philosophy of like life's hard you life is literally a process of things coming into being and then dissolving to shit and you can look after those things for a certain period of time yeah while you're around and you can Use your like knowledge of that process to like keep things going, keep things in order, yeah, for until they eventually turn into disorder. And some people they just leave their lives in disorder, yeah, yeah. And that that's not a concept that's in their head. They're like, wait, I'm fucking here, I'm alive. Like this is this should be easier than this, right? And then when it's not as easy as you think it should be, then you start blaming shit. You're like, well, that's because of this, and I'm not lucky, and this happened, and fucking this. But yeah. it's and, like believing in that concept.
1: Yeah, and that then flows into, say, career, business, person, you know, life, where, say, if you don't do something, it fades away. If you lose, if you don't use it, you lose it. But everything, the world is progressing. So, let's uh, say classic, I love, love so a good quote book or good quote. So, one of them is, even if you're on the right track, if you just stand there, you'll get run over. Yeah. So, um, not only do you have to be progressing but if you want to be successful like if you want to be a good surfer, rider, whatever anything you do everything's moving forward so you not only have to be moving forward but you have to progress more forward. than what yeah, the other guys are doing yeah, so yeah. like you should yeah it's like oh, there's um, some good scriptures as well about um, man with idle hands like you know hard work gets your places basically yeah. you know, idle hands doesn't get you anywhere so like yeah. you need a you need to work you need to progress you need to keep moving
0: yeah it's it's such a yeah it's such a valuable concept day eh? like to, to, to just to just know that life's supposed to be this hard it, yeah because it feels yeah. shocking at times how hard life can be
1: yeah yeah it's um it's like a, a big test we're only 80 hundred years it's not meant to be easy mm. it's weird though that then it just fucking starts, it just stops that's like
0: the other <laughs> fucked up thing about it as well so you're like you do all this work and then it's fucking over and you're like well, what was the point of doing all this yeah, work yeah
1: well yeah then that turns into the the whole religion thing and yeah. i've been thinking about that a bit recently so I've, I've i'm christian but um so i grew up with a christian family but you know you get to a certain age where you, you, th- you can think for yourself and then you know start to doubt you one day you think oh, what's really happening and then you know the lately you know i'm sort of so sure on things but
0: where are you at with it
1: so i'm so i'm christian i believe that jesus you know 2000 years ago he was born he was a carpenter just a normal person but obviously the, the most influential man to ever walk earth we you know we have two public holidays around him and, and yeah. our current times just you know dates it's based, based around off him. yeah yeah but um so he's son of god and he came to, he died for our sins so then <clears throat> so we didn't have to you know so we can you know like everyone say oh jeez I, I could probably get too deep into it but no, that's all right. we're all born sinners so then you know we can't yeah thinking, <laughs> how's this long, how long is this going to go for no, um, take as long as you want yeah so I mean yeah to me where I'm at is I like to look at the big picture so a lot of people might think oh, you know we're um you know, we come from monkeys or whatever. I was like, how, how ridiculous to think that an atom, a bit, if, or give it, you know, a bit of dust, where it's multiple molecules hit another bit of dust and create something intelligent and that just happened to start learning by itself. I just think that is so ridiculous. Like, we had to be created. So, to me, it's like, there's only one man that defeated death, one man that um, died back. and came back, Jesus. And, um, you know, we... We're so like even Charles Darwin, the guy that wrote the book yeah. on um evolution, the theory yeah. of evolution and he there's a there's a quote I screenshotted it but it's like he talks about the eye and it's like the eye is so advanced yeah. I, f- I forget how many millions of light sensitive cells are in our light and he wrote to, to to think that the light the eye occurred from natural selection is just bizarre at the highest degree it's just and I think yeah, it's true so I'm just so I'm so sure that. You know, I, I, you know, without thinking about my background and upbringing and stuff like that, I can see why people are so, you know, confused. You grow up with um, being taught one thing, and then you know, um, so hard to believe that there's a man in the sky. But for me, it's like step back from both of them, and like it's impossible to happen by chance. Like it's, and to think that, you know, like over millions of years we've, you know, evolved. I like, how ridiculous! Like I can understand how the um in the universe expanding like that's probably what um creation would look like to be expanding and ever growing but yeah yeah, i just feel like there's no way it can happen by chance so then if it wasn't by chance it was by purpose we had to be created and it's obviously way beyond what we could ever comprehend so yeah yeah
0: that that's the that's the real problem with it like when you think about all the things that we can that we've achieved as like a society and stuff now but we can't even like we don't even know what consciousness is yeah so to to be conscious is to know that it is like something to you know what i mean it's like yeah. i to be conscious i i know i'm me so that's what consciousness is like <laughs> we, this table probably doesn't know it's a table <laughs> you know so and then there's that you go back through the like i'm sure my dog knows what it's like to be a dog But his level of consciousness that he would have about his experience is so much more limited to what we would know. So it's like we're this apex, we're like the peak of consciousness, right? And that it's so it's so gnarly to think beyond any of it without even knowing what consciousness is. Where (laughs) you know, like, where does it come from? Why do we know what it's like to be this? And then there's people that are unconscious like in terms of they, they say things that they don't that don't mean that they're, they're so in the moment they're just driven by impulse they've seemed to have no control over themselves or their life so like at what level are they conscious and then you know you get <laughs> this you podcast get, just got a whole lot deeper that's <laughs> <laughs> what we do baby <laughs> but then you know you go to like a, a a Buddhist monk that has lived in a cave for 27 years and just gets bought rice in a bowl and it he isn't a person has no like it's just it's just a thing sitting there having this conscious experience. There's no concepts running through his head. There's no thoughts about like why am I in this case. It's just purely like awareness, like aware of having this experience. So like to for me like that consciousness is my thing that I think about the most outside <laughs> of like the any creation any of any of that because to me like i there's no point me going further without even knowing what that is how we got it how and then i'm just like i'm like well i don't know how i could find out any of the information like there's that has to be where in this box and whatever created us whatever the you know something from nothing like there's There's something, we're inside a box and there's a bunch of shit that's outside the box and we just don't know what's going on. So to me, like that, just the conscious experience and understanding your own conscious experience, that's where I'm at with it all now. Because it's like, I'm like, fuck, I just, no, we don't know. We don't know what consciousness is. We don't know why we're conscious. And it could be, it could be religion. It could, you know, like it could be God. It could literally, who fucking knows? But that's that to me is like such a crazy mystery just in itself that I like I don't even need like I don't even have a a thought of looking outside of that because that right there is
1: just so puzzling you know what I mean (laughs) yeah but that's also what motivates me to think well makes me think like it's impossible for like we're obviously like this for a reason that's what I think like we had to be created we had to be made like this which is while we were made in god's image so to me to think from that point of view that we were created by god it, it all just makes sense so yeah yeah no I definitely how does that how does that uh fit
0: into the crazy shit that you do then like uh, where, where, how do you feel about death because like you've lost your brother at any point like you could die from doing yeah, the things that yeah. you do but i could also die going to the shop to get lunch yeah um but like how do you feel about the things that you do within that framework that you've got
1: yeah well there's the um i guess it's uh like growing up say in 20 years or whatever you you, know, you just kind of i didn't really um think i was living for a purpose i was just i was um you know, just doing what I love doing. Yeah. And I just sort of love pushing my limits, but as I'm getting older, you know, in my thirties, I'm thinking a lot more about, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing and what I want to get out of it, and and you know, start to think about a lot more about, um, like, why I believe I was put here, why I believe we were put here, and and to think that if I look at it from um, like zoomed out ten thousand yeah, feet, yeah, yeah. and to think that. We are made here in God's image. <clears throat> we came here with nothing. We leave with nothing, and we're all, you know, we're all God's people. We're like everyone's even, everyone's loved. You know, he, God is love, and he, yeah. and you know, he doesn't. He's not the one causing harm. So then, we want to be trying to help each other, and so I think there's a lot more um, motivation going into sort of helping people. You know, whether it's just teaching, learning. You know, just I hate hearing about people sort of being you know like you know going through um depression or something and then like hear people killing themselves and i think oh, that sucks so i you know i want to try and uh help those people more and it's not like my religion limits what i do you know or say it um like freestyle you know riding bikes or anything yeah like, it's not like it's um bad or good or anything for what I do it's just something that I do but definitely um what I do with it mm. is something that that I can change a lot more and I yeah it's um yeah <laughs> it's a real uh yeah I, I mean now I see it a lot more like life we, we've only got say 80 years here and it's it's all learning we're basically learning as much as we can hopefully maturing ourselves enough to to die and then and and go to heaven but just like there's so much that we will never understand and and it's like 80 years of just preparation basically for 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 when we do die that makes it sound really sad to talk about no well i mean well it's either that
0: or you live for 80 years and you don't go anywhere that's probably even sadder yeah um you're you're right what you said like god is love i think with me like i spent a bunch of time meditating and it was especially the last the last two years i got like real into it and like eastern philosophy and then there's funny you know when i say and i got a few books for you to read when you're yeah, talking yeah. about the brain and stuff like that so i got real interested in the psychology um and the the brain side of things and then that led me into just kind of reading a lot about just consciousness and what, what where um what we do and don't even know about like the conscious experience and it's funny that then led me into the meditation stuff because meditation is understanding what your consciousness kind of is without thoughts without stimulus without you know what i mean without any of those inputs and when you can on the rare occasion dump all of those concepts of who you are who what you do all of the things that you're attached to that you would say i am this i am this is part of me once you can let go of those things and even for a moment be like that monk in a cave that has lived in that space for you know 20 years then what you find is that in the absence of everything else that feeling feels a lot like love and kindness and compassion and when you when you peel it back to like when i said mentioned that there's people that are kind of unconscious like a thought comes in their head and then they just act on that impulse there's no awareness around that thought there's no deconstruction of that thought yeah where that yeah. thought come from did i think that you know what i mean like <laughs> and when, when you don't look and then that's impulse and some people just like live in that lane but when you can peel all that shit away it feels a lot like God. It feels a lot like love. It feels a lot like compassion. And and when you understand the, like an impulse and when you understand the way that these things, could they just pop into your head and you either attach to them and do it or you don't. You let them go and then they disappear and then a new thing comes. So then when you see a person that's being like a shit person, you actually have compassion for that person because you understand that there's no space around any of the things that are being delivered to them and they're just almost on autopilot and it's like it's not really a conscious decision on their behalf but it's almost like they don't know what they don't know and you can't be angry at those people yeah and i guess that maybe is
1: like a sinner kind of thing you know what i mean like yeah no but i i still see that some what what appears to be someone not um making a conscious decision i see a lot of that can come from upbringing yep. and childhood as well yep. morals whatever they believe so definitely a lot of people that just they might do something and they might think it's normal or they've just been conditioned immersed, to that. Yep. yeah um immersed in that kind of environment for so long that they just think it is normal so yeah i still feel um compassion for them feel like they do need help but more just guidance or yeah understanding you know in some area some way
0: yeah and that that's like i guess wisdom that's what you know what wisdom is is being able to that's just like a notification <laughs> um ronan's over there texting yeah 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 it's on the snapchat <laughs> on tiktok <laughs> big tiktok guy um but, yeah, I mean, that, that's where I guess that, that compassion side of it comes in is when you can understand that a lot of it, if the person had more wisdom, if the person knew more about themselves, if they knew more about the way that um, thoughts appear and disappear and that you can connect to them and things like that, then they would probably act differently. But every thought that you have, like everything that you've thought about over the last almost three hours is something that i fucking told you we've done it's 20 minutes and it's been three hours
1: oh, i was about twelve thirty. is that right yeah five to three yeah told you Okay, I'm another 45 40 minutes and it'd be three hours well let's get closer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, you know God. like every thought that you've had i've put in your
0: head essentially like you've there's been a response that you've had to those thoughts that would be that's like your side of the coin but that's sort of what you're saying with people's like upbringing and influences. And if they've only ever been around these shitty ideas and these shitty impulses and these like shitty stimulus, that because it's like cause, effect, cause. That's what your life is. It's like this constant um, stimulus of input and then your like reaction to it and then an output. So it's yeah. like constant, constant reaction. So like what you said, you know, if you've got this fucking shitty upbringing, you don't have knowledge around these certain areas then it's like is it even really your fault because there's that cause and effect Just is just this back and forward tennis match <laughs> and you can either be like your cause and effect is you know you've got these good frameworks you've got these good people in your life you've got this love in your life you've got this great place that you grew up and then the input and then output input output is like pushing towards this positive direction and you get people that they they've got like Uh, input output that pushes them into these negative directions or very uneducated directions or directions that are just purely based on impulse and not a lot of thought
1: you know before uh
0: you know in between the input and the output if that makes sense
1: yeah yeah it's um a very different way of of looking at things (laughs) but um yeah i mean i think that's why we always we we need to help each other isn't it we need um you know we need to teach each other help each other and and help you know some people go through different areas and we all sort of need to work together and and get everyone through it because yeah, some people you know get brought up in different areas and yeah just miss out on some things that other people get so uh, as in like treatment or understanding or whatever yeah. so yeah it's um
0: and and i think like that's why things like this help and being like yourself a person that can go and like like by you let's say doing a triple flip or something like that you're showing people that something that you think is impossible is possible and there's obviously like people aren't just gonna be like oh, i'm just gonna oh yeah i could triple flip maybe some someone would then apply Maybe may be impossible to that person is losing weight yeah. yeah you know what i mean so that is like i guess when you're saying that you want to help and um you know like make the world better in that lane like i guess the way that you do things like there's a level
1: in which inspiration can be so valuable to people yeah for sure for sure yeah definitely um inspiration is a big thing that you know i do like to have a an effect on kids like that if i can inspire them to to be better to learn or to to whatever anything that's improving then that does make me happy as well so triple flip you know not you know it's not like I went down that way to prove that more just to prove to ourselves that we could do a triple flip but you know hoping that all that inspires other people that you know so many things appear impossible but just because we haven't worked out a way to get there yet that we we kind of we think that it is impossible and then we get stuck in our in grooves in a rut and we just think oh you know this is the way it has to be but you know there's so much we're, we're capable of so much more we just need to um believe it understand yeah. it know it work to get there <laughs> yeah yeah it's always always work to get there but you have to you have to think that it's possible in the first place before you can start working towards it so with the triple flip itself how
0: long did that take to land and like what was i guess talk me through the process of the
1: triple flip yeah sure um so it was late 2014 um, when Travis first invited Tom Begez and myself over to, to trial this airbag and a new ramp. And I think not long before that, he had. He, he wanted. Travis wanted to do a triple flip and he just created this monster of a, a takeoff ramp and a steep monster landing that is hoping he could just. If something would happen, he could slide out of it. Oh, so yeah. I think because he, it'd be so steep. Yeah. So I I'm sure I saw a little bit of footage, but he, he tweaked his knee and figured that it was just. You know it's, it's hard. You need something safe to practice. So that end of fourteen was when we went out there to trial a ramp. <laughs> it was just this monster That'd ramp. And, yeah. Um, no, it was. Uh, I think at the start of the, um, the the triple flip doco, it shows our reaction when we first saw it. Like a ten meter high ramp. Yeah, you know, it might not have been quite ten at that point, but ridiculous. And there was an airbag behind, just a flat airbag. Um, and it was just we wanted to just to see what was possible and you know, what we needed to do To obviously you wanted a triple flip done but it was a bit of an experimental thing just to see what we could do and um, ramp wasn't steep enough you know it was a, a lot of funny little stories in there about rock paper scissors and you know, I lost rock paper scissors the first day so I had to test the first ramp and we're stepping back and it's like take off ramp it's like oh I reckon about third gear might you know oh nah. <laughs> that, there that's physics behind it and <sighs> if that's the edge of the airbag and the ramps here i jumped and it was so steep that was just air wheelie rare the whole way and my back wheel landed right on the edge of the bag kind of took most of the speed out and then the front wheel dropped drop down and hit the dirt and i've fallen forward and oh. throat chopped myself on the handlebars so um got lucky but we straight away had to steepen that up and then so i think we had two weeks there just had to steepen it up steepen it up you know a few mods to even get some height but we couldn't get any rotation and um travis um we went home and i know travis put a lot more effort into changing ramp designs i think we invited us back over early uh sorry it's late 13 it started but it was all through 14 2014 when we were we're going back and forth so went over there for a a week at some point and made a few changes and um uh basically a couple of guys there were making a wood wooden ramp that they could easily modify old um, Nate Wessel was just ripping things apart and changing it around and yeah a few ramp designs we didn't really get much closer so Travis um, went home Travis would work on different ramp designs and then I think he got really close and um, reckoned he had the right ramp so he got it made out of metal but do this and this and (laughs) so he got the ramp that worked got it made out of metal and then had to do a couple it. of changes yeah. and we got out there and it didn't work and oh, he was pissed and we were a bit annoyed so we had to modify it again took a section off and it was just in the end it was like 17 ramp changes wow. to find the one that um it's like mm, must have been around August September or something in 2014 when we finally nailed no, it. it yeah we're getting two rotations on the way up and it's just my technique was terrible, so Travis helped me a lot with that.
0: What was wrong with your technique? Um,
1: just to do two rotations is one thing, but to, to keep <clears throat> to keep yourself in the right position to keep the momentum going was the tough part. Because I would you'd we'd get two rotations, say you'd be nose down at the top peak of the jump. And, and then, then you'd, you'd kinda of deaden out. Yeah, and then like momentum changes, like shifting direction, it kind of upsets your balance and everything so um basically you had to um once the ramps once we hit the peak of the jump and started falling into that third rotation i had to kind of drop back into it lean into it and almost pull for another flip and that kind of you know help keep the momentum going or almost felt like it sped it up and so travis helped me a lot with that with all his double flip experience over the years and and we finally got the triple flip done and um to, to the flat airbag so then it was exciting we were uh, we we're all loving it but also got scary then because we knew it was real like it was we had it to was do possible. it and it was gonna happen there's no way we were just not gonna let it happen so yeah i think he um then you know went on to bag jump went and made that uh a lander bag about five foot thick which is oh. it? we got some photos up here uh
0: fuck that is big dude what's it like to uh, actually hit that ramp like in terms of the forces that go through your body <laughs>
1: yeah um, ask trevor jacobs <laughs> oh, yeah. he just did the old like fucking <laughs> yeah. yeah so um the ramp was there and, and nitro was there and um i think we were filming some feel like we had maybe we were doing a bit of filming just I feel like we had free reign over the place. There was one point when we were making videos in teams of three, and Trevor just wanted to go and backflip as many things as possible. And, and we were doing a bit of, we we're hitting this setup, and he's like, oh, "I want to, I want to hit it." <laughs> Travis is like, "Yeah, we've got a you know KDM three hundred for you." And I think that's what it was. He just kind of just kind of left it up to him, and he just underestimated the G force mm. as it, as it you know got into the belly of the ramp. But we we're hitting it. at it was. 52 or 53 miles an hour at that point you know, wow. 80, uh, wow. nearly 85 k's an hour and um yeah just heading into the ramp trevor's just foot, leg sort of buckled a bit and he's just shot off the oh. side and that's that famous scene of him like ejecting and then there being one branch sticking out and he's just pushed off that branch and <laughs> pushed himself enough onto the airbag to land on the bag just yeah the bike landed off on the dirt and Everyone was in shock. Fuck <laughs> that psycho dude! But eh? um, yeah, so I mean, there was a fair bit of force, but yeah, to person, if you could anticipate it, then. yeah, yeah, yeah yet, so yeah. I had an idea of what you are in for, you could you could cope with it, um, yeah. And so that uh, the landing basically click was... click onto
0: that one, that third picture across.
1: Yeah, so that landing without the plywood on there is just a um, scaff. It might wow. not have. It might not have had that that top section, the top triangular, in you know, a forty five. Thing. Fuck me. So that, um, take the ply off it, it's just... Uh, like scaffolding? Yep, scaffolding, flat top, and uh, you know, it's just a metal structure that, that comes... That um, I guess it's like walkway, pathway that you can attach to the scaffolding. Yeah. So it was just that structure and an airbag lander that was um, draped over the top. So um, I'm sure there'd be some on there during training, but it's um, a five-foot-thick bag, has all these nipples they call them that are folded down so you can land and it's like riding through boggy sand or boggy yeah, mud yeah yeah almost have to lean back and wrestle it but you you could crash you could throw your bike and land fine but you could also land and ride out of it
0: what go yeah. to the youtube video range?
1: so um yeah it's that the, which th- one that one probably
0: that'd be just the dirt landing right yeah oh the, yeah, the, sure. the plot. fuck that's gnarly bro um oh yeah that's the airbag there right yeah click into that one <laughs> <laughs> top sheeny moments oh. here we go this is oh, what this is, this is, is what maybe. we want to see dude that man you've done some crazy shit <laughs> how was the chops on ya yeah I love that they come out every now and then why not I? Eh? go forward to watch some uh
1: is that you on the bat? Yeah, that was Nitro Um That's over a... in Europe somewhere. Yeah, go back. Right.
0: <laughs> You've got nine minutes of epic Did you have to take the visor off your
1: helmet? Oh, no, know. I think it was you see What'd that you... one, that was my first time I committed to the go third back. rotation. And if you can play the volume <clears throat> if you can listen to it. I see my position, I was kinda Go back again tucked up underneath oh, the bars yeah. so yeah by that point i was crapping myself and i was just trying oh. to look back and committed but that kind of ruled my rotation and um i didn't realize i drifted off to the right right but how uh, hard is that impact on that bag the bag's not bad but i nearly missed it then i was so close to the edge that it um you know all the air pushes to the center and you, the outside just kind of collapses yeah, crumbles and, yeah and i was just chest straight to the ground and was just started coughing up blood, so really? I, was, I was wrecked for a couple of weeks after that. Really? Uh, yeah. So I <coughs> filled up. Oh, <laughs> dude! Yeah, that's a good angle. Dude, 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 dude. That was my nearly died moment. That is really gnarly. Yeah. So my left, my left shoulder was wow, dude. Whoa, my left shoulder was weak at that point. About maybe thirteen. no oh. Yeah, I think it was thirteen. So I had I'd, I'd um, fractured the vertebrae in my neck. That Takes um, out that sound real quick, Rains. Fractured a vertebrae in my neck, which just pitched the nerve going oh, down my left yeah, arm. Yeah, yeah. So there was just it wasn't bad, but there were just some oh, <laughs> there was man. some movements that were weaker. And I know when I was really leaning off the back hard, trying to give it to her, my right arm was obviously stronger, and I'd drift to the right a bit. Yeah, and, yeah. And funnily enough, Travis was the opposite. So there were two lines going into the ramp. There was my line coming from the right side of the ramp, heading yeah. off to the left, and at the top, it was pulled to the right, and Travis's was the left to the right because he'd drift left. It was weird how that worked out, but I obviously overcorrected um, when I did the actual triple flip because I nearly drove into the wall on the left-hand side after. Yeah, open opened that one, round. But that, um, yeah, back to the process, it was we got the um, triple flip done, done to the flat bag uh, must have been late in the year and then uh, come back it was like the week before Christmas I remember it was cold icy as was a bit of, um, oh, bit of snow frost. at one point and then it would melt during the day it was just horrible so I was all geared up and we uh, um, had the scaff landing with the airbag the five foot bag draped over it and um, we'd we had cameras on the side of the the flat airbag to work out where we were landing. So then they built this scaff landing in place. So I was going to land in the middle using the speed gun. So we always we were always hitting it with the, at the same speed, and so just had to trust that just the, there was just this structure we were looking at, and I just had to trust that um, we'd get over and worked good. So then there was a few jumps to build up to it, and then we landed. La- I landed the um, first triple rode out of the first triple flip to an airbag and uh first one i kind of got caught up and crashed getting off it so <clears throat> and so that oh. you're just doing like speed check runs um, yeah I, I was probably in a bit of stress at that point and
0: yeah so like <laughs> mentally how do you feel on a day where you know that like can you sleep the night before you commit to something like this poor um
1: i i did but so a few influencing factors there. So one thing being um, like I was, each jump I'd treat it like it was the, to the airbag. I'd always treat it like it was the one. So I'd always just try and, you know, be well warmed up and just try and put myself under the pressure. Like it, there's never that much pressure when you go into a bag, but the the week leading up to it when so I had five or six days to to – practice so a bit of pressure yep yeah, but I just you know wanted to make sure I do a number of them in a row without error so I knew that there was a very good chance of landing it and um, I think having a about eight mates or something floor over there and um, we're hanging around and yeah a couple of mates like some twins and good blokes that just that love a love a beer and a good time they work hard but they just love a laugh so they're helping helping everyone get stuff done but just making me feel at home more relaxed just easing the nerves with some laughs so they helped out a lot um thankfully they flew over for it but um each day did get more and more stressful and like by say four or five days of practicing triples to the airbag landing i sad to think. Gee, what what happens if I stuff one up now? Like, what's that going to do to my confidence? Yeah. Like, no, no, just just yeah. <laughs> so like, stress definitely build up. It was got harder and harder. I'd do one in the morning, like give it a few hours, go out, prep, really? like I'm doing another one. Do one, they'd work. But the one thing that did give me a bit of confidence was knowing that once we did remove the airbag because it was I think 55 degree landing, and the airbag's five foot thick at that angle, you know, it was a couple of meters at least extra drop. So I knew that when I you'd have a bit more move the bag, yeah. There was an extra just that bit of time that if I was and like it's so steep that if I was so far under, like it would be scary. But you'd you'd get away with a, a noise heavy landing. So thankfully the the morning of um, on takeoff, as soon as I left the ramp, I just my feet kind of did the usual slide back and kind of locked into the the side plastics on the back, and I just. I had really aggressive grip tape and when my boots were locked up to that I could tuck myself in and hold in a good position and I just the first few felt great so then that third one I was already in a good position and I knew I could just sort of relax coming into the landing it was unexplainable feeling after that really? yeah the, the weight off my shoulders the the stress that was building up I think I only lost about half hour sleep on the night before just I was up a little bit earlier I was starting to get a starting to get a little bit of a a snotty nose a bit of a flu a few people had the cold and i just hold it off you know be strong you know (laughs) and then that day it all just hit me like just the relief and oh a bit of a because it happened we were finished before midday it must have been late morning that we got it done so had all day just to relax and yeah then the flu hit me the next day. i was was hung over obviously and (laughs) but on a high for a couple of days for a good week after that it was just amazing really i just wish i wish i could share that feeling with so many people but that just yeah just
0: (laughs) just can't (laughs) what's the thing that makes it so special like what's the element of it that Um, gives you the feeling do you think the the
1: most the best feeling the physical feeling was just the fact of um like cuz usually there's a bit of stress with everything you get stress and then if you fix a problem or whatever you can you're relieved but it's like things say so you might the level of stress might climb and then it might oh yeah die off but it's like the stress was so high and then just go and just stop yeah. so it was like a, um like a you know I don't know what many drugs feel like but it's, it's like nothing Nothing could feel better than, than that moment of landing and just I don't know, have to do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. Just that's um, so not weird only have though, I succeeded, right? yeah. Not a, like we we've made it. Like it, there was a massive team of people involved, like yeah. Travis, his crew, my mates, the whole Nitro Circus crew for making it happen, and so it was like yeah, everyone sort of just erupted, and it was yeah, just can't explain it. So. just absolutely amazing yeah
0: it's it's weird that you put yourself in a position to feel so much stress over something that you've chosen to do (laughs) and the high that you get at the end of it is the relief of not having to do it anymore yeah yeah like that's uh, a weird thing to like put yourself in such a weird position to then give yourself give yourself that feeling
1: yeah yeah i guess i was more motivated by you know overcoming to you know sort of um succeeding you know there's a few influencing factors like say some tricks we might or some things we might do for a bit of an adrenaline rush like there, there was no uh, although there was loads of adrenaline but there's no way i was doing it for, for the that, adrenaline yeah. rush but gee the dump of the stress relief the dump of adrenaline it was just oh. <laughs> amazing like uh, but i guess you can't you can't feel that without without going through that much stress in the first place
0: yeah right so that's the thing is like the the level of euphoria that you feel is exactly equivalent to the opposite end of the stress that you put yourself through to to
1: get there so like big risk big reward right yeah yeah that's it it's um (laughs) yeah it's so surreal i remember it's This feels like a bit of a blur that whole time because I was just so focused on trying to keep myself calm and relaxed and just trying to, you know, treat each day like it was normal, like nothing was any different, just so I could get that day done. But,
0: (laughs) yeah. It's crazy that freestyle has got to a point, like you, let's say you go, I want to try the triple flip, but we put these new conditions on it that says you can't have any help it's impossible yeah yeah isn't that crazy that you need a team of people now that's the level like if you said go do one backflip you're like i could figure that out by myself you did it you built a ramp you you know it was in into some sand you use the sand you could have done that trick by yourself double flip you probably do by yourself
1: yeah we still need the, the foam bit the Something yeah but you, you could build you could build a foam pit
0: by, yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. you could get the foam. You, you could probably do it by yourself then
1: you step up to triple flip and yeah ain't happening <laughs> yeah you could spend your whole life building the ramp with like all the changes just yeah i remember travis saying or i think a gymnast was telling him that for every rotation you add it's four times the difficulty really which kind of makes sense because one flip is physically easy Mentally challenged, but to go from one to two, it seems like it's so much harder. But then to go from two to three, it's just <laughs> so much like borderline impossible. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, pretty cool to to have a challenge like that that was you know almost a bit of fun and um, a bit of scary fun at the start to just to work out if it was possible, and then to get through all of that and actually making it happen and and landing it. It's uh. <laughs> it's amazing so yeah so grateful for people like travis for being able to um you know he had a a good setup on the farm there and he he funded a lot of the stuff a lot of the flights and and the airbags and stuff like that that went into it so yeah but like if it wasn't for him and his crazy ideas a lot of this stuff wouldn't happen
0: yeah man it's pretty it's pretty special the way that like it, it sort of goes to show the lack of ego that he has too to where yeah. like he he he's willing to put in that much effort for another person's achievement.
1: Yeah, it was yeah really cool. Um, I, I think I, I I felt it, but really underestimated. Or oh, I didn't like I probably didn't show it enough at the time, but really appreciate it. like it was he put a lot into it, a lot of his time and money, and you know his <coughs> his friends helping out with everything. It was just you know he's I like got he's given me so much basically to to help me to to get that done because you know it was a passion of his as well but um realized at one point that it's quite gnarly and (laughs) he was getting older and he had a couple of kids and so um yeah I mean it's kind of thankful and scared at the same time that he kind of (laughs) handballed it to me but yeah uh amazing a surreal time that's so
0: cool so before we wrap this thing up um, tell me about skydiving why, why, why are you doing that
1: uh, skydiving is because you've gotten into it is epic uh, <laughs> um, so I've always loved I guess like flying jumping bikes flying planes and f- I know the freedom of falling is is, is um, amazing it's, uh, to be able to have that and just like like the, I know the wind in your face like even a wind tunnel wind tunnels are addictive because it's like floating but you have so much control with just your body movements you can you see there's some of the professionals in the tunnels and it's amazing so like to, to do a couple to have like it's actually quite safe these days we've got a reserve chute and there's an automatic device that if you do nothing it'll still open and yeah you know it's, technology is quite good these days and um, it's um, safer than we think and it's just the, the adrenaline rush is fun and, and you can do it with friends, you can play around in the sky and I don't know it's just it, um, <laughs> the floating feeling, the falling feeling is an absolute blast so you know, like two days ago we had the pleasure of dropping out of a heli onto um <clears throat> to uh, Tangalooma Island Resort I didn't really? even know it was there, just off Brisbane and yeah, it was all uh, nitro circus, <clears throat> nitro circus stuff, and um, yeah, we got a heli out there. We got two drops: so Jack, O'Harry, myself, um, we're jumping with a, another guy, um, Jeff. Jeff, yeah, he? legend. He is a legend. And um, yeah, it was just like it's so good. The whole ride up we're in a heli with no doors. At one point, we've got to take our seatbelt off, put our helmet on, and like try not to fall out. <laughs> it's just. The whole the whole trip was it was amazing. Loved it. Yeah, the it's definitely
0: something that. Uh, yeah, I don't. I just don't know where I'm at with it. I just <laughs> yeah. don't know. You got a tandem? Nah, never. I've never yeah, done yeah. it at all. It just
1: I don't know. It just seems like a fucking big risk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so when when we got into it, like the I was with um, was it with Tom Pajez who's when I got into it. I was we were sort of at a similar level so we were it was fun jumping together and i remember chatting to guys thinking you guys are crazy but they're not they're they're the more calculated um yeah and more you know uh, risk adverse you know that they we realized when we went skyting that we were the crazy ones we just because we weren't doing it we thought they were the crazy ones yeah crazy people back in the day you know that that sort of progressed the sport and you know Um, built and and tested all the parachutes in the first place but nowadays like um um, i pack my pack my chute some of them feel pretty bad but like you stuff it in i haven't had a malfunction yet but there's a second one you can cut away and it automatically pulls out your reserve if start nothing happens you can still use your reserve, but someone else like Jeff has to pack a reserve so it's immaculate and is kinda of guaranteed to open, like there are still things that can happen, but um you gotta you know, you just what the training's for to go through the the procedures. So if something like when you do get a malfunction, which is you know the stats are one in five hundred, yeah. You might use your reserve, but um have you had to use your reserve yet? Nah, no. Nah.
0: How many jumps are you
1: have? Two twenty now. Okay yeah it was one of those things
0: that uh like my friend did it like my best friend growing up when he was like 18 and he did the tandem skydive thing and he just said it was the best thing ever and i remember being like mate there's no chance like there's (laughs) there's there's no chance and then i was around a bunch of the red bull guys when i was in america and like i've been around it so much and i just still like i just can't see myself doing it yeah. but i feel like it's one of those things if i did it i'd get super fucking into it but yeah, like that's it i feel like i'm a dude that crashes shit and gets hurt a lot and i'm like <laughs> i just don't feel like you got that much room to fuck it up
1: yeah no Like no, they're right you certainly have to um be pretty careful like once you're under canopy <clears throat> if something goes wrong you can like, you can they can go bad pretty quickly so that's a you know, bit i
0: feel like i'd fuck up I don't think the, I feel like I'd jump out of the plane, sweet. I feel like I'd fly through the air, sweet. I feel like I'd pull the chute, sweet. (laughs) But I feel like it's when I'm doing
1: this, (laughs) that's when I'd make a mistake and I'd cook myself. Yeah, well, I guess, um, you just have to try it to to work it out. But yeah, it's definitely, um, like you can have, you can stay with a nice fluffy canopy, not real big canopy that's just slow and docile. So it's not, you, you'll have to do- jump it in where there's next to no wind because it oh, moves so much, much yeah. but yeah but then if you jump on one of them you could just do nothing and you just hit the ground you might like, like jumping off a couple of meters is, you you don't hit the ground very hard but if you want to get a much smaller canopy then you have to start landing faster and, and this yeah yeah, yeah and
0: what what was the learning curve like for
1: you like it's obviously a thing that you
0: guys really enjoy now because i so i what, what i was kind of going with it with before is like i sort of knew some people I, but i didn't really have friends that did it and now i've got friends that do it yeah so I like bridget jeff top dog harry yeah you know yeah. all those boys boys at my gym that do it and i'm just every that's around and yeah. I'm like
1: ah, oh, fuck oh look i <sighs> I remember I'd done a couple of tandems with people and I thought, stuff it, I have to do it myself and just want the feeling of being in charge and having the freedom yeah. to do what I wanted and and being up to me to...
0: That's the. I think that's my it. initial hang-up too is that you've got to do it with somebody else first.
1: No, I mean, no, you don't have to do a tandem. Oh, really? You can literally jump out of the plane but two instructors will be holding on his side so you cannot stuff up your first couple because... But how about the shoot and stuff? They pull it all for you. uh, If if you didn't, they would. But you would like even if you didn't control it, you'd just you know (laughs) float down to the ground. But like worst case, when you first jump, you would just land off off track somewhere, and and they'd have to go and pick you up. (laughs) But yeah, there's after after a couple of jumps, like um after the first couple of jumps if you if it looks like you've got control of it they'll start to let you go and they'll always be an instructor right there to grab you if if you start to play up but you have to practice your position to be in when you're to throw your pilot shoot out and yeah if you if some people do that some people freeze and and freak out when they get to that point so i guess they're the people that either stop doing it or <laughs> maybe better. take a bit longer to yeah. to get used to that feeling but um yeah they um they they're it can happen really quick. Like, I remember I just frothed off the adrenaline. I just loved every bit of it and pretty quick to understand, you
2: know, aerial the body position, kind of aerial thing.
1: awareness, everything like that. And so it progressed pretty quickly for me. Uh, some people might, um, you know, take a little bit longer, but taking longer is fine. It just means you're, you're more careful. So um, I understood after doing my ticket that that we were the risky ones because we're crazy so yeah. i have to you know like once i'm under canopy just if i, if I want to play around with stupid stuff i do it while i'm up high so there's time to yeah. get rid of it and deploy the reserve if i need it but yeah i just <laughs> have the fun up in the air and be careful down in the ground
0: yeah it's been really cool watching harry and top dog and the boys get into it and I'm friends with Bridget and she's yep. obviously a fucking savage kills it yeah, yeah. she's super gnarly that yeah. shit <laughs> um, but yeah and there's a pretty cool like community around it and stuff as well like it this, is. this whole scene like with that Byron place is yeah it's pretty pretty cool it's, it's like I'm looking over
1: I'm like fuck <laughs> yeah it is because uh, I don't know if it's maybe it's because uh, only a certain type of person will <clears throat> go jump out of a plane and make and a they, habit out of it yeah and they they kind of mellows them out and everyone's on a similar level i guess it's like motorbike riders when people that love it all sort of usually get along together because everyone's mentally Mm. on the same level and has the same kind of passion so but for some reason yes skydives they always always seem like awesome people and just good chilled out guys to hang out with yeah so before you get out of here you've mentioned a couple of books tell me about tell me about your reading habits Um, my reading habits aren't as good as I would like them to be but I'm always trying to learn and trying to improve my brain ever since head knocks in the past so um, learning is crucial so i um, be trying to read a lot more um, but basically like uh, listening an audio book is a good one because yeah. I drive two and a half hours to Perth every time I fly out so um, like there's one that was... It starts with why was one starts it, with why um it's kind of it branches off into marketing but also like why is in a purpose yeah behind what you do um one I'm listening to now seven habits of very effi- of highly, highly efficient people, people. <laughs> yeah yep. yeah effective yeah it's cool because I need to be more <laughs> efficient I hate wasting time um what was another one terrible memory like that um. oh The Rise of the Superman that was an yeah, interesting one yeah, yeah talking yeah. about um, being flow in the zone state. Yeah, flow state uh, yeah, I'm sure you can cut that bit out while I'm no, thinking right. you can insert the sound of my cogs turning yeah
0: yeah Um, I got I a, a couple I, of I forget su- what yeah you find them I got a couple of suggestions for you based on what of uh deducted from this conversation yeah so can you type in Ronan uh seven and a half lessons on the brain this is super super interesting
1: oh yeah the one Um, I'm reading right now is the brain that changes itself that's the one that you said last night yeah just very interesting
0: um so so there's this one seven and a half lessons uh about (laughs) the brain this chick uh Lisa Feldman Barrett I've read a few of her books now um she's got another book which is super interesting called how emotions are made Um, And basically, have you ever heard of like the whole triune brain thing? Like you've got the prefrontal cortex and you've got the neocortex and then you've got the amygdala or whatever, which is like the reptile brain. So that was like the way that neuroscience was founded um, through, I guess, like Darwinism, basically. Um, And so that was all of the studies around emotions and uh, like concepts and things like that have been kind of studied with that lens like through that lens of like the triune brain and then they're like oh emotions live in the reptile brain and then you've got the logical thinking brain which is the neocortex because that's the most developed in humans so that must be why we reason and have right and wrong and emotion you know what i mean so this chick lisa feldman barrett she is a research professor um and a um and a professor at a I can't remember the name of the, but it's one of the big universities and she's got this huge research team and she's a brilliant author. Um, But she's basically through all of these different studies threw away like that old triune brain and tried to look at it more objectively and to see if there was like a new way that they could look at it. And what she's found is that 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 old way of looking at the brain, it actually doesn't fit with any of the studies um that they're, they're doing now with modern technology yeah right so very interesting and it talks about the way that our brains are more you know like what you said the brain uses so much energy so the way that our brains work um more so than like that three you know triune brain is our brain is basically like a prediction machine yeah so yeah. everything that you are do and there's so it's so interesting like there's you know when you've seen a stick that looks like a snake yeah yeah so that's a prediction yeah so your brain is predicted that something on the ground that's long and curvy that would be near a rock at this time you know what i mean that's a prediction and then you look there and then your consciousness then gives it that it takes that form until you've got more information. So we're in everything's prediction first. And the reason why it's prediction first is because the brain is so expensive energy wise. (laughs) So to get around, like the reason why we have got this brain that has been able to develop so, um, much more efficient than any other kind of fucking creature on earth or whatever is the fact that our brain got way better at predicting and just like constantly dialed in these predictions and then develop language and then you can explain these Mm pretty... So this book is fucking insanely interesting around that. So there's, yeah, Seven and a Half Lessons of the Brain, How Emotions Are Made Um, and then there's a book called Conscious by Annika Harris. Yeah, okay. And then she Mm -hmm. has just basically put in this... It's only a small book but she's put in everything we know and don't know about consciousness. Super interesting. And then uh, I haven't read the... Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I've got it. I haven't read it. But um, a book that I would say, like, legitimately changed my life in terms of habits and forming good habits was uh, Atomic, Atomic habits. habits. Have you read, read it? it? Yep. What a fucking <laughs> book that is. Did you like that one?
1: Yeah, it was pretty good. And I, I like how uh, oh, you touched on it a little bit then, but how um, your brain tries to be more efficient. And so, it, like, how we form habits to so we don't have to think Think about about so much stuff so yeah it is interesting yeah especially when you've got bad habits or you want to change habits yeah and the the thing that i
0: took away the most from that book was that whole like uh aggregate gains you know that if you do something one percent better every day the compounding effect and it's crazy man like you look at that um the that graph that he shows in the book or did you do the audio book um, go to atomichabits.com for a sec, second no I did read it <coughs> um, there's these graphs I see this shit everywhere now hmm. in my in my um, one of the things like I'm not a very I'd say I'm a very analytical thinker but i'm not a very analytical person like you know how you just said you were real messy and shit well Mm, not real messy but you were messy and i'm like i'm like that as well yeah um so i'm not very analytical and ordered in that sense but in my head i like to think of things orderly
2: yeah so that's
0: why like um so go um go down a bit i know he's got the i know he had the some resources on his website a bit but that graph anyway it's like it goes along uh there's the oh no that's the habit keep going down there's keep going i haven't actually looked on this anyway the the way that it works is he he runs this mathematical equation (laughs) of if you get uh if you make a one percent gain over um x period of time you see it at the start it's a very 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 flat line and then it ramps up and at the point that it ramps up it almost goes vertical and that is a mathematical equation based on getting 1% better yeah. that compound interest Yeah, uh, compounding yeah so it's a powerful thing that we and it's real underestimate yeah dude I could <laughs> fucking show you my iTunes analytics I could show you my <laughs> YouTube analytics. you know what I mean like you just go and you go and you go don't feel like you're getting better for so long at something stretching is another thing where i've felt the same yeah. gains i feel like if you measured certain stretches from when i really started getting into stretching to now that look very similar to that curve yeah so like i just that clicked in the way that my brain thinks i was like i want that curve in, yeah. e- in everything i just and it's not hard it's just one percent yeah every <laughs> single day but it just requires showing up and you'd see that you know you'd see the same thing in the gym you you, you see that style of of progression everywhere so yeah but yeah that's yep. cool you've read that
1: one that was one of the ones i was gonna recommend yeah, as well it's interesting i feel like there's a few more in there but i can't remember what they are nice. actually there's another good one um no sorry give us a minute <laughs> what's it about um more finances but just like a general you know so people have barefoot investor yeah yep. yeah just a good sort of general ideas about you know like a lot of people might get caught up with credit card debt and stuff yep. like that when it's just it's so nasty but they it's like um, we get taught that it's not so bad but yeah a few little things about um, you know paying off smaller terrible debts that are harmful to us and just sort of being careful with our money so we've always got a bit of bit of spare bit of backup and yeah good way to just sort of organise your financial life so you're you're not too stressed out. Yeah, sweet. Well, Josh, Ian, three hours, mate. Beautiful. How was it? Yeah, <laughs> we went everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I, th- I had when I got here. I thought you might have just had a number of questions that you wanted to ask, but no, mate, just freelance yeah yeah (laughs) yeah, you (laughs) were like oh you know you
0: asked your question i was like there's no questions this is just you just get in and you roll for a few hours probably missed a bunch of cool shit that we could have talked about probably talked about a bunch of random shit we probably would have never talked about (laughs) yeah but uh yeah that's how these things go so that's it anyway um good luck with everything in the future you're welcome back in here anytime i'll see you
1: in a couple weeks yes look forward to it when we cross the nullivore yeah pretty excited yeah get excited for the 80 mile straight yeah 80 miles of nothing but straight (laughs) (laughs) who the fuck built that road oh why why not build a why build them curved when you can build it straight (laughs) oh yeah all about it all about it but who was the guys what they must have been some hard fucking men i know i know right actually just recently went down not quite to the to Nullarbor, but along that southern coast, there's the old telegraph line. Yeah, and um, yeah, there's a bit more history that I didn't really know about. But there's all these stations where they're sending telegraphs back and forth. that all had to go through these through these, through these places. So, pretty cool if you got the time to stop in at places. But you know, maybe later in life when we've got a lot more time. Yeah, true. <laughs> Check way. out these places. Do some exploring. Yeah. Well,
0: Josh beautiful. I enjoyed it, mate. Thanks Thank you a lot. So much. And uh, yeah, see you in, see you in a couple of weeks. Cheers. Look forward to it. Perfect.